talk about it outdoors, and I am your host, Alex DeBoer. Nick Wilson is with me, my main man, my sidekick, my partner in crime, the A1 from day one. It's just me and him tonight. Oh, wait, we got a special guest here with us. Big D is in the house and bringing the heat. We got a fun-filled episode talking all about how we prepare our deer meat and what we do with it all year long. Y'all stay tuned. This is going to be a fun one. Nichols, we ain't had D with us since old Neil Williams graced us with our present. He was talking all about fishing. It's good to have him back in studio tonight. Several, several episodes ago. D, how are you? Good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Are you excited? I am excited. You're sitting in Waddy's chair because he skipped out on us tonight. That's right. <laughs> oh, me. Well, it's good to have you here. We're excited for this one. When I heard Nick mention deer meat, the first name that came to both our minds was you because, uh, hey, you've been cutting it up just like I have for a long time. Right. It goes back. D D is uh probably the meat master around Waleska. He's he's done it for for a lot of number of years and we learned the same way, learned from the same people, kinda took our uh, our tactics and uh traditional way of doing it and we've spun it up and we've learned a lot ourselves and kind of figured out ways that we like to do it and we're excited to share it with you. So Nick, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Um excited to get this another way. I know deer season's right around the corner. I just thought it'd be good to bring some different stuff to people for deer hunting and what they do with their deer and how they process it and if they got any left over after the year before. Well, right out of the gate, I got to ask this question. Did when did Growing up, did you take them to a processor or did y'all do it yourself? I've always taken it to a processor. Okay, so that's different than what Derek and I grew up doing because I didn't even know there was such thing as a processor until I got older in, in my life, probably I'd say late teens uh, when I started going down and, and skinning deer at one of our local butcher shops. And, I mean, that was when I first kind of – hey, people actually take deer somewhere and get them processed. I mean, it was something we did as a traditional thing, and we always did it, grinding, processing, skinning, everything. And so I think it's going to be a good episode. I think we'll we'll teach people some things that we do differently than some people do, and, hey, they might learn something, and they may teach us something, and they re- get to listen to it. Well, I'll be honest with you. When I was thinking about thinking about doing this, it was um, there's, a, there's not as many processes as there used to be in this area, so it's really hard to find somebody to do – your meat so a lot of people are doing it nowadays so i think it'd just be helpful we may learn something from somebody else if we post this and then they post back what they do so yeah and i love learning new recipes i think that's one thing that people have kind of evolved over the years and i when we first got started doing it it was you had to grind everything and you cubed what you could you might cut up a roast or whatever which we're going to go into all that stuff but i think there's a lot of new ways of preparing deer meat some ideas that i've come up with some that Derek's come up with some that you may have learned uh, as you've went along with stuff so i, I think it's gonna be a fun episode I, <clears throat> I can remember back to when i was a kid like the the only the first processor i ever remember going to and you guys probably you probably knew know who done it um but it was at the back of that super thrift up there in waluska that's where we took deer meat we would take remember, whole i don't even remember that being we would take it. whole deer back there in a cooler i don't even remember them doing any processing yeah, they'd there, process so. them back there sure enough Wow. I can I remember that as a kid. I don't even remember that. <laughs> well, no. we, don't, we don't remember it because we never took them nowhere. That's that true. Time, you know, yeah, yeah but y'all lived right there. So, I mean, I just figured y'all would have known. So. No, I've I'm never sure some heard people, that. But your dad knows. I don't, could, could. I don't know. I mean, because yeah. I, I, one of my fondest memories growing up as a kid, and before I even really got started hunting or before I, dad would let me go, was – Uncle Wyvern and Dad and, and Uncle Richard and Uncle Tommy and all of them would get down in the basement of, of Dad's house, and he had an old Hobart grinder, 
and they would get down there and grind meat, you know, and hang out. And I remember that when I was a kid, be go, getting to go downstairs and get back upstairs. You know, you didn't really get to go down there because they was probably raising cane and everything else, and we wasn't supposed to be down there listening to it. But, Derek, you reckon how many pounds of meat that old Hobart grinder that Dad's got went through? Thousands. I remember him, you know, whenever we were doing it growing up and getting to go down there because, that, you know, hey, that – Somebody killed a deer and we was going to ground it. That was a big thing because we'd all go down there and be hanging out. And they, if they were going to make breakfast sausage, they would always cook a piece and try it to see if it mm-hmm. was seasoned right before they made the whole batch. And like you said, we'll get into all that later. But it's, you know, it was a, it's definitely a good memory I've had. I can remember, and this is no lie, Derek can attest to this. One time, and me and him must have went on a slaughter fest to kill a deer. I mean, we must have had five or six killed. And we had deboned them down there, and we got ready to grind. And we done over 400 pounds. We had a picture of it at one time. We ground over 400 pounds and packaged it up, just he and I. I mean, we we had little – we always done it in Ziploc bags. Mm-hmm. We'd take and weigh it out. We knew how much was pretty close, and you'd weigh one or two and figure out, you know, the size. And one of us would be standing there pattying it out. The other one would hold the bag. You'd drop it in, and you'd just set them all to the side. And it was just in court Ziploc bags. And it usually come out to be about two pounds. I mean, just about every time. And so. I'll tell you something interesting from you two that, that you don't see many people nowadays doing. Um, I don't think that you guys do different than I do and that I was taught to do. You guys skin deer from the neck down. I yeah. skin deer from the from the back legs down. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a good starting point for, for where we're and. Every deer that we process from the time we were kids was gutted. The the you know it was field dressed wherever you killed it at you field dressed it there and you drug it out like that and that goes back to what we were taught you know and now we won't go into the details on how to gut it or whatever if somebody wants to know or learn that just holler at me yeah. and I'll be glad to show you or whatever tell you how to do it but I think back to to the first deer that that we skinned um the first deer that i skinned and i can still remember it probably was helping dad or helping uncle wibburn because uncle wibburn was a hammer on him so we we saw early on but you're talking about skinning them from the neck down and a lot of people are like well that's crazy why do you do it like that well Derek can attest to it as well as i we weren't killing a lot of big bucks back then or we were killing them for meat so you didn't need a cape right and I think when you skin it from the neck down, it's it's cleaner and it's more efficient. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Because we would take a deer and we'd cut it around the neck. We'd cut it around the leg. And you would come up to the white, come up and split it up the middle. And you'd make that V and then you'd start peeling it off. And you got it down a little bit, we'd take hook a tennis ball in, in a rope. And we'd pull that hide off with the four-wheeler. I mean, you'd have it hanging from the rafters of, usually over at Uncle Weber's shop, we had a winch there, a rope, we'd pull it up, we'd stretch it, and we'd pull that hide off with that rope. And, I mean, it'd just peel off. You wouldn't have any hair on it. You wouldn't have, you know, a lot of those, I guess, little fibers or whatever that's left with the skin. You'd have a clean, basically, carcass hanging there. And when you did that, you also would, would enable yourself to be able to peel every bit of meat off of it by leaving the carcass hanging there without having to worry about that swingle tree when you got hams trying to cut them off and swinging back and forth. And that, to me, that was the thing that, that benefited us most is when you're left with that deer, you can get every single piece of meat that you could possibly want off of it by doing it that way. 
all the way down to the neck. I mean, you could cut that neck roast and peel it all the way around and you cut your tenderloins out of the back, take the shoulders off first. And that's something I want to talk about too. A lot of people don't get that shoulder meat off of them. They'll say, oh, them shoulders ain't worth a flip. You're talking about yeah. a lot of meat there. I mean, that you can grind or, and I've even learned a little technique on something I want to talk about tonight with shoulders, but, and I learned it off of meat eater. They, they actually did an episode on how to prepare a shoulder roast that was, Oh, it's amazing. I mean, see, see, I learned to skin them from the tail down. We'd hang them up by the back legs. We'd cut around, skin them down in between towards their butt, and then, like you and Nick Munt talked about, clean that butt out before you started peeling it. Oh yeah, you know. And then that's how well, we when would skin it. Was, it. We, when it was we gutted. Well, we hardly ever gutted ours. We didn't gut ours till we usually got back to camp. And then we we have a big barrel and put everything in there, and that's still how we pretty much do it. We don't. Why do you do that? And I'm I'm just curious. Well, uh, I just we just always. We've never been nowhere where we felt like we had to gut them out in out in the woods. Um, the only places I've ever gutted them was probably up in the mountains, like if I've hunted Dawson Forest, just to help drag them out. Yeah. But I've never felt like that. And I, I just – usually if I kill them, I didn't – if I wasn't hunting too far from the truck, I didn't want to just put that gut pile in there. Mm-hmm. And I know people's going to be like, well, them deer don't care about that gut pile. But, you know, everybody's well, got, their, all, yeah, everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah. So – but we've always learned to do that. And same with you. We would always – we would always put a tennis ball to it when we would go down to South Georgia. We was hunting Putnam County, and we would use a vehicle then, truck, and pull it off. And it made it a lot cleaner. And that was one thing Dad probably taught me. And you guys probably learned it, grind it yourself. But Dad taught me, clean that animal the best you can. So when you take it to that processor, you're not taking them something with a bunch of trash on it. You're washing the meat off. You're getting all the hair off. Don't let it fall in the gravel when you cut it. Let somebody hold one leg while you cut it off. So um, that's very important, you know. You don't want to take a you don't want to take a deer to a processor and it's got gravel all over it and hair and grass. Blood. Yeah, and grass. Dirt. You don't want to take that because if you do that and you get your meat back with something in it, that's you should be expected of that. Yeah, I I, t- I guarantee you, if I'm running a processor and you bring me one that's been drunk through the dirt, that's what you're going to get back, and you ain't going to be happy. <laughs> that's right. But you can wash it off, and you you don't have to. I think when you skin it from the neck down and you talked about skinning it from the from the butt down hanging the the butt up by the you usually cut it right there behind the tarsal gland or whatever yep. in that little little piece of tendon and you hung it from there and we did them like that if we were going to mount one you know cuz you mm-hmm. were cutting it down and caping one. it out yeah, exactly. and that's something we're going to put together this year at some point i'm going to put together a video and show people how to cape a deer cuz i have people call me never fails every season somebody will call me and say Hey, I've killed a nice buck that I want to get mounted. How do I cape it out? Mm-hmm. And I think we put together a video because I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to skin for myself and others mountable deer, and it never fails. And you go right over here to McMicken's taxidermy or you go to any taxidermy you want to go to, and you ask them how bad the mounts are to do when they're cut all to pieces. Yeah. It's a nightmare for that taxidermist. And people complain about that. Well, it's you can see seams and everything else. Well, you gut it or you skin it with a uh, with a butcher knife. What do you yeah. expect it to look and, like? And that pushes those guys back. Yeah. You don't realize it. Well, I'm not getting my deer back for another for 12 months. Well, yeah. you know, you kind of butchered your job there. Yeah, yeah you, you know, did on the, yeah. on the breast on the front of the deer, and it's taking them a little bit longer to to get it looking right for you. I will say this though, going back to the trying to get the hide off with a with a rock or a ball. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to do that with a Midwest whitetail deer. And I we've had a lot of trouble with those deer. They yeah. get so much fat on yep. them in the wintertime. Yep. And you can try to do that, but you're you're basically cutting that fat off. It, it just won't let it turn loose as well. 
I agree. As a lean deer. Yep, uh, I agree 100%. A deer that you try to skin in, in the Midwest is totally different than one. But I will say this. If you have the right equipment and the right setup to do it the way mm-hmm. that we were doing it, and I'll, I'll tell you a little technique that I learned up there, it works absolutely amazing, and people are blown away. And I'll never forget one time that I was in South Georgia, and I had shot a doe in the neck, and I was going to skin it from the neck down. I was going to show these boys, oh, this is how you do it here. And, buddy, let me tell you what happened. I had basically blowed that neck in two, and I was skinning it. And when I went to jerk it, that whole deer came off that rack. And, I mean, you got to be careful, you know, with, with how you're doing it and how much you go to jerking on it because you'll jerk that baby off, and it'll – break and then of course i was left with a pile of meat in the dirt and i had to wash it out but <laughs> anyway we'll we'll move on into to talking about that so we're hanging deer by the neck and and we've we've skinned it off and what what we like to do is we've got the hide completely off we've peeled it all the way down to the bottom of the hams as far down the back legs as you can go you've you've peeled it you've slowly worked it around you know you've got it all the way pulled down we'll cut that hide in the leg at one time you know you're past it so you cut that bone with a sawzall you've got your hide laying there with the back legs all you're left with is clean hams then you've got two feet sticking out on the shoulders cut that off with a sawzall you've got a clean carcass except for right up below the chin hanging there well what do you do then well we take and we go right behind the shoulder we open it up away from the body you go right down the seam of it and you'll cut all that connecting tissue you're not cutting meat you're cutting Mm -hmm. connecting tissue and you go right behind that shoulder blade and peel it completely off you've got a full shoulder there you've not hurt your tenderloins you've not hurt any of the neck meat you've not done any damage to it but you've taken two shoulders off well those shoulders are they're a lot of overlooked meat and Derek knows as well as I do and I'm sure you've seen it before you can get you know, a good bit of meat especially for grinding and you can grind that and you take that off and that's really what it's based on if you're going to grind get those shoulders off and you can you can make a lot of use of that meat because you're getting that whole blade meat that's on mm-hmm. the top you know and everything can come off in one chunk and you put it in the cooler and i've seen people pick around at those shoulders and not take them off at the bone you know not take the, and i'm like what are you doing mm-hmm. you know you can put that whole shoulder in there and then you can wash it off inside of it and you've that's got right. a whole piece of meat that's clean you're not cutting right. into it and everything let's so. stop right there for a second let these answer this D, what it was what do you think that front shoulder serves the best purpose for in processing i think it if you're going to grind yeah that's the best application for that front shoulder and those front shanks uh, that's the best application yeah. yeah it's got a lot of tissue connective tissue in that meat because it's tougher i think your best application for that is to throw it in your grind pile gotcha alex said he had to mention about it well i had always done the same roast. thing and i tell you what if you ever i tried to make jerky out of some shoulders and buddy you would need the jaws of life to chew that stuff it was as tough as anything i've ever tried to chew because it is connecting fiber in there it's full of sinew and and muscle tissue and that's their most powerful muscle i mean their front shoulders they're pounding on them constantly so it's tough so make a jerky out of it if you figure out a way to do it good luck to you because you've done better than me and i've made a lot of jerky you can't make it out of front shoulders but i did see you go ahead go ahead I did see on one of Meat Eater's episodes, um, Ranella took and he cut the shoulder in two. He Derek said the front shank, he cut that front shank off and then he cut down the blade. He cut uh, diagonally across the top of the blade and he took those shoulder pieces and he put them inside of a crock pot. And 
crock pot cooking or pressure cooking or whatever is slow cooking something. You're breaking down all that connective fiber and tissue. He took it, he put it inside of a, a roast. And he had a lot of different ingredients, you know, uh, basil and, and red wine. And he put a, you know, a mixture of things, which I'd be more than happy to put the link up on our, on our pages so you can see what that recipe was. And I tried one. It was delicious. I mean, it was great. The meat fell completely apart. And I think slow cooking that shoulder is key. You know, you've got to slow cook it if you're going to do it or you grind it, like Derek said. So you guys both got the front shoulders off, hanging it up from the neck, skin it down. What are you going to next? I'm going to the uh, to the back strap, the right down the you know tenderloin or whatever they call. It. Yeah. And from there, that's I try to how far how far when you're hanging it up like that? Are you going all the way up, basically where you have the rope attached around the animal's neck? There, are you going? Are you starting right there? And is that where you're cutting out? No, I, I'll and. If you look at a, a back strap on a deer, it kind of tapers off at the top right below the neck roast, and it comes to a point there. And you can see where that point is. And if you take – and one place we skipped was taking the neck meat off of it because there's neck meat covering that tenderloin. Mm-hmm. So once I've got the shoulders off, I'm going to cut as much of that neck meat off. And I'm talking all the way around in front of the esophagus, the throat patch there. I'm getting all of that off. a ton off. of meat. Oh, absolutely. Especially on a heavy, matured buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A swelled neck in but, the, in but, the but let, fall. Let me stop real quick and say this, though. And, and I had I had this wrote down for a note. We killed a deer a couple of years ago up in Illinois. And my dad had, I think it was one of my dad's deers that he'd killed. And he shot it. And we put it in the cooler probably. It probably stayed in the cooler about four days before we got home. And we took it down to Nice Processing when it was still open. And the lady called me and said, I need you to come over here. And check this. Now, we kept this on ice and everything. Like, we never let it get hot. We skin it right away. We always done our prep work, kept ice on it, drained it, kept ice on it, drained it. Took it to her. She called us. I went by there. She said, I want you to smell this before I touch it. It was the worst smell I'd ever smelled in my life. And she asked us if that was that deer was in rut, and we said yes. And she said, this ain't the first time that I've had this happen. Have you guys noticed that on a rut and buck? Or do you touch any of the neck meat? A lot of people don't. And and I have before. But I've never had a problem with it. I've took a neck roast off of a buck that was in rut and and, and even grinding it and never had a problem with it or cut it into two different roasts and cooked it and have never had a problem with it. Could be at a certain point. When a deer gets to a certain point and you and somebody kills it, and then at that point it can that can happen. But now I have taken, I've taken some, and I've cut them. Like I usually don't debone them on the neck. I usually just cut them off behind the head, and I'll cut them off, and I'll just leave it attached to the. I'll just leave them attached to the. Uh, the neck meat. The neck. The neck meat. Because you skin it, it from the. You've skinned it from the legs down. You're yep. able to do that. Yep. So I'll cut that off, and it'll just be one big chunk. Now, I've taken that before and deboned it, and I believe there's some little small glands in there, there that you can cut out. And I've done that on even some of the bucks. I'll try to debone some of that and try to find that and cut it out if I am gonna if I take a buck during and A rut. lot of a misconception. People think that's a tumor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's not. It's a gland that's in. Just like everybody, we all have the glands, you know, for for mm-hmm. whatever. And 
that's exactly what that is. Was that deer on the bone that you took down there to them? It was. It was. And and, and honestly, the the other meat, I guess, with it being in there, we end up losing the whole deer. Yeah. So it's kind of iffy, iffy. Sometimes we won't even take them now if they're full-blown rut and we know they've been chasing pretty hard and we were to shoot one. Sometimes we don't even save it because we don't we don't want to ruin the whole meat. You don't save the neck roast, right. yeah. And During I, that time, I think if you take and that goes back to different techniques. I think if you take the time to cut that neck, I, I've never personally cut a neck roast up and left the bone in it myself. Even when I'm skinning them for a cape, I always cut that meat off the neck all the way around, and I. I do that for myself, and, and I'm sure that, that anybody that skins that way, you expose the tenderloin more at the top side when you take that neck off. You are able to get a full-length backstrap off of that deer, in my opinion, once you take that neck roast and off. If you leave the bone in, or if you cut the if you cut it around the neck without the bone and you've got it off the bone, hey, it's, time to, it's three or four days on ice. It's time to process it. Really don't want to mess with it. You can throw it and grind. Yep. You don't have to debone nothing. That's just one less it's thing. One I've got less four. Thing you got to do. Right. So it, you, we've taken that neck off. You know, we've we've done that part and skinning from the top down. I can start on my back strap where it V's off. I go down the spine all the way down on the inside on both sides. I cut all the way down to the ham start, and then I take and what I'll do is lay my knife against that rib cage. And I'll run that knife as close as I can down through there. And the top of that rib cage is where that, that back strap lays. And you can follow it all the way down. Now, one thing I've noticed, I try not to cut too far in because you'll cut into your back strap and you'll leave some there. If you grab that back strap at the top and you pull it back just a little bit, you can work mm-hmm. that entire back strap all the way down. Let me stop you real quick. Before you do any of that on those back straps, do you make sure – before you loosen any of that tenderloin that you cut the membrane off? No, not not always. I mean I'll try to I'll try do? to take some of it off. Sometimes I do, I but it, if it's cold and it's on ice, and we'll talk about that. Yep. You can lay them down and you can you can go right through to where it like connects to the ribs and the backbone and lay your knife all the way through it and then just turn it sideways and get it all off in one. Yeah, I usually try to get it off on there and what we're talking about is if you got that deer hanging there, you'll see that little membrane. You usually stick your finger right in behind it, make a slit. Stick your finger and you can skin it off and lay it to the side. It's called Bef- sinew. Okay. Is what that's called. Okay, and that's what the Indians used to ma- to make binding for arrows out of. They would take and peel that off in strips, and they would dry. And that is that is you can't break it with your hands. I mean, it is tough, and it's called sinew. And I actually watched a video of, I, I believe her name is Savannah Ashby, um, and, and I heard her talking about this on a podcast. She's a she's a local bow hunter, mm-hmm. um, really great episode she did with with some guys recently and she was talking about making her own arrows and she was taking sinew strips and it it gets i mean it's like a a, a i guess you would call it kind of like a it's not a tape it's like a, a, a you ever eat that beef jerky and you you pull it and it, that's what that is right yeah that's sinew. you yeah. i mean when if you, you pull, make jerky deer jerky yeah, and, it's and you got pull that long tough, piece yep that's that's what that, that's what yeah. that is or a, a connective tissue yeah but I generally don't. I just cut it off. If there's a big piece there that I can get a hold of, I'll strip it off. You know, usually we got two or three dogs around that are eating <laughs> everything we throw to them anyway, and that's always been the case. You know, you'll always skin a deer when we was kids and have a dog fight. They was and, always doing that. So, and most of the time, if you the younger the 
the younger the deer is, a lot of a lot of times it's a lot easier to pull that tenderloin one, like you said. Yeah, you don't have to cut it; it'll usually just kind of pull itself out. Bigger the much more the mature the deer is, harder it's going to be to get out. So I've cut my back straps off; they're all the way down to the bottom. I've put them in the cooler, so now I've got neck meat, two shoulders, back strap, and that's the that's the deer from the hams up. Yep. All right. So now my time. I've got a, I've got two hams hanging there. I'm going inside. And if you look at, at how a deer's leg works, where its inner thigh meets the carcass, you go down with your knife directly to the hip. You're looking for a hip. There's a knuckle inside of there. And if you get inside of that knuckle, you'll you'll cut down to it. Don't cut your ham all to pieces. Just take your time and work your knife down in that knuckle there. If you'll put your knife, you, if you're doing the right ham, your knife's going to be to the right side of that knuckle. Mm-hmm. And if you pop it, that ham will fall right off. And then all you've got to do is cut around to your rump, and you've got one solid big chunk of meat coming off right. at that time. Put it in the cooler, do the same thing. I'm left-handed, so my right ham, it would be the deer's left ham, if it's hanging there and I'm looking at it, it would be the right side. My right ham always comes off easier because I, I'm using my left-handed knife. If it's on the other side, most people are the same way. Hey, cut this one off for me because it's on the opposite side. Now, I do the same exact thing, but mine are hanging. Correct. My two legs are hanging. Correct. So I cut the bone out. And so you're you've got you're left with two pieces of meat hanging there trying because when you cut one side off, I don't finish it. Okay. So when I cut it, I leave it attached. Yep. So I can get and I take I trim them both to both of those ball joints mm-hmm. there, and then when I get there, I'll start making my way. I'll kind of go back and forth. So it's not hanging, and if it does hanging, most times somebody's there to help me, and they can hold on to one one leg. But you don't you don't concept. you don't find that aggravating as, as I don't know because I learned to do, I learned to do that right that way. yeah. And I just I, to me when it comes off when I'm done with those two hams, what's your, what's your next move when you're done with those two hams? Well, before then, my next my next move was I get the front shoulders. We've talked about that. I get the tenderloins, and then I start because I don't gut mine mm-hmm. i start cutting down right below the hams i start cutting that like loose meat down to the rib cage mm-hmm. and i try not to let the guts come out okay so i start cutting down so i can get to those inner loins and when i come down to those inner loins when i get right below them i keep cutting behind the rib cage yeah until i can get far enough to reach in there and cut the top they're kind of attached um at the bottom of the hams right so i'll reach up in there and cut those and i'll put usually put my hands in behind them and follow them down to pull them out. Okay. Once I get to that point, then I take a whatever I got, a hacksaw or whatever, and I cut that uh, spine off right below the two hams, mm-hmm. and I let that part fall down in my bucket. And by then, you've got blood up to your elbows uh, from all the guts, and get, you pull those little back straps out in there, and it, they're bloody, they're covered in blood. Do you wash those off, or do you throw them right in your cooler? No, we wash all the meat off before we put it in our cooler. Okay. We wash everything off. See, I love getting in there after the fact. I've gutted the deer, so I can reach right in there and get those yeah. back straps, uh, the, the inner loin. That's yeah. the tenderloin. Now, a lot of people call the back strap the tenderloin. When I do it, I mean, I'll say, you know, cube yeah. loin or whatever, but we'll go into that, and, and, and I'll pull those out. And, man, you talk about some soft, tender meat. I mean, I love those inner loins. And I'm, a lot of people don't even get them. Y'all might throw something at me when we start talking about processing. So. Okay. But yeah, that, that's it. That's when I get to my when I get to my two hams. That's all I got left. So when I take them off, I take I typically once I cut that uh, pelvis bone yeah. out of the middle, 
I typically take them off the hooks. I usually lay them in the cooler so the legs are sticking out, and I'll cut the legs off at that point. So you have to cut that pelvis bone with something with a saw or something no 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 no. i cut it because i debone it from those joints gotcha so it's it's just separate gotcha and then i take the legs off the hook set them in the cooler cut that main tendon uh score around it and then i cut it off with a hacksaw and then i'll cut i usually cut if anywhere i'm cutting a bone i usually wash that off good and so we'll put it in the cooler then we've got and we're left with you know the whole carcass hanging there and uh, and if it's a deer that's if it's a deer that I'm not going to mount, a doe, a small buck, whatever, just cutting the horns off, it's different than when I'm caping it. Now, I go through the same principle that I just went through if I'm caping one out. The only difference is when I get to that top, I'll take and and cut it with just straight down with a saw and not i won't even worry about taking off that knuckle yeah because yeah it doesn't really and then i've got two pieces hanging well we, there. we miss this and a lot of people don't probably i'm gonna say 85 percent of people probably don't get it and i'm one of them is the rib cage i'm not messing with ribs i can tell you this i'll, I'll go back to to when Derek and i were growing up we never did anything with the ribs nope. i mean you can sit there and pick all that little meat out of it if you want to but and throw it in the ground pile if you yeah. want. Yeah, if you're – and I've seen but, people do that. But I'll tell you something that I do take uh, – that I have been taking off because most most of my stuff is I get ground, is I take that big flank off around the rib cage. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, no, I get – we get that. Yeah, and I'll cut in behind that. And it, it's, it's usually a good three-quarter inch thick. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good piece of meat if you're grinding. Not mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is the actual yeah, ribs yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever eaten deer I ribs? Have. I have. Was they any good? No, they were tough. Dad, <laughs> Dad used to. Uh, Dad would get them, and put them on a smoker. Who was about eating shoe leather? And when you was eating them, it felt like you'd stuck a candle in your mouth. All that dang wax, that that towel is what we called it. And I don't know that that's yeah. what it is, but I won't never forget Uncle Wyvern and I tried to cook some down at the hunt club one time. And man, they looked and smelled amazing, but it felt like you had put a that rib in a bucket of candle wax and stuck it in your mouth, all that towel. And there's people that cook them. You have to boil them first. That's that's 100%. You've got to boil them first to tenderize them, and then you would grill them. And I'm sure there's ways of doing it. Myself, they're not worth the trouble. Now, I, I get – I and Derek can attest this. We spend a lot of time cutting all the extra meat we can off. I'm not messing with the ribs. And I'll tell you something else before we get down to that point, too, is if it's savable from now on after last year, I'll start taking every deer heart out of every deer. Oh, yeah. I've got three in the freezer right now. So, I had never eaten one before. And last Mm -hmm. year, I don't remember. I think Hank might have killed one in Illinois. And we were out there skinning it, actually. And we had taken it out. And Brandon said, let's get that heart and cook it. Because when he was cooking dinner, he was like, let's cook that for a little appetizer. He'd been watching Meat Eater. You know how he gets. (laughs) um, So, he went in there and cleaned it all up, deveined it, cut it up in little chunks. We had a little small cast iron skillet, and I believe he put some butter, some garlic butter in it, and put some salt and pepper on it. He was cooking, and I was helping Hank clean that deer. And, man, we got done and ate it. Golly, it was good. All that is is a muscle. I will not let that pass by no more. So I'll tell you something else up in Iowa that they do when when we're gutting a deer. They'll get the heart, and they'll get the liver. Yep. Every single time, they'll get both of them. I don't like liver. I'm not a liver fan. Well, your liver is, you know, your liver. Filter filters your toxins in your body so we had a guy down at where we hunted um he's no longer with us but if we didn't when we skinned deer at his house if we didn't he had a refrigerator there that we could just put meat in he didn't care if we didn't save him the heart or liver 
Boy, he'd be so mad at us. I just, uh, and, and I'm not a liver fan. I'm not either. Because it's very irony. I don't like chicken livers. I don't like beef livers. I can eat chicken livers for a little bit, but I'm not a big fan of them. After many times, me and Derek spent baiting a hook with them growing up for catfish. <laughs> but So we've we've got the deer skint. Everything's done. We're cleaned up. What's your next move? And I think we got a shooting you straight question, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, going into going into this, we'll we'll kind of kick it up and go right into that. This week's shooting you straight segment is brought to you by Williamson Brothers Barbecue of Camp. Stop in off Exit 16A of Highway 575, or call 770. 770- Three four five nine zero six seven for all of your barbecue and catering needs. Poor old Waddy didn't get to be here with us tonight, but we're gonna kick it up for him on the old shooting straight question. This one comes from Tyler Moore, and it fits right into what we're doing tonight and talking about processing deer. And the question was, how long do you let your meat drain before you process it? Which Comes into question a lot of times, and, and I've actually got an argument on this that I, I actually had a long conversation with a guy about it. So, um, growing up, what we learned was, if you want good deer meat, you have got to get the blood out of it. That's mm-hmm. where your wild... People that have eaten bad deer meat probably had this problem. Whoever processed it, they didn't let it drain long enough, and they didn't get that irony gamey taste out of it because that's where the bad taste comes from is in the blood in in my and this is what i've learned i mean i've i've eaten fresh deer meat and i'm like it almost tastes like pee you know it's got a wild wang to it and you get that blood out of it but for myself i'm going to drain that deer at least three days on ice at a minimum and that's putting the meat in the cooler, I'm washing it, draining the water off of it, laying it on a table sometimes, rinsing it all off, putting a layer of ice down, meat, ice, meat, and then from there, I'm going to go the next day, I'm going to put more ice on it, and I'm I'm not leaving the plug open. Do not leave that plug on your cooler open because if it's hot weather, you'll get flies in it, and they'll ruin it. They'll bot it up on You retain that ice, and you don't want to put it in – the top of the line best cooler on the market. You don't want to put it in a Yeti. No, the ice is not going to melt. It's not going to. It's not going to go through the same process. You take it to the processor. They're going to hang it for you. You're paying for the convenience of it. Well, and that's what I want. I want to go over that because okay. that's that's another another tidbit of it. But the way that we're doing it, putting it on ice, right? Is and that's the way I do mine too. At least three days. Now I've had them go as long as five days, and it'd be perfectly fine as long as you've kept ice on it, kept it in a, a in the shade, you know, and don't let it get hot and drain that blood out of it. I drain it every time I put ice on it, and typically that's daily. Yeah, exactly. And, You're and checking it, the ice, especially daily. in early season. Yeah. Oh yeah, and both I, season you got to. Yes. And I think Tyler's question can also go into this, and I had wrote this down too. A lot of people go out of state nowadays deer hunting, right? And you could go. You're on a seven-day trip with your buddy. You can't get home. First day, you knock down one. Yeah. You're putting that deer in the cooler. If you don't if you don't have a local processor, you're not processing it there. If you don't take nothing with you, is it okay to leave that deer in that cooler on ice for seven days if you're the, if that's how long you're there hunting? I'm going to tell you, it, it, the, I, I learned this. Not the hard way. I learned it by talking to someone. <clears throat> if I'm going on a hunt to that extended period and I've cleaned that deer, you know, I've got it off the off the deer, I've got two shoulders, two hams, two back straps, whatever extra meat I've got in there. 
I feel it is absolutely okay if by day, let's say day three, I take it off the bone. I'm going in there, I'm laying it out on the table, and I'm deboning that meat. You can, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute. You can take that meat off the bone and put it back in the cooler on ice mm-hmm. because it's draining the blood off of it. Once that blood is all drained out of it, you're not really able to get that meat cold in the core of it. You know, that that ham's going to be, it's a thick piece of meat. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. 10, 12 inches across, yeah. and it's heavy meat. So it needs to be cold all the time in the middle of it. Now, if I'm out of town for that extended period of time, I'm, I'm wanting to definitely, by day three, four, I'm taking the time, I'm tagged out, I'm going to go ahead and, Take the time to yeah. debone it off yeah. there. Well, let me tell you real quick, um, and, and this might help somebody else because last year, one of the guys that hunted with us hunts with us still up in Illinois. He's retired, and he was able to go up and hunt for several weeks. He was going to be there for several weeks, and he had um, he had taken a doe, and he t- texted me, and he's like, "Man, I, just, I don't, I didn't really want to come home. I don't know what to do." I said, "Well, give me just a minute," and I found a processor about forty five minutes away from our camp, right, and. Um, he actually took it to that processor, and that guy processed it, um, put it in the freezer seal bags, and kept it. He said, "I'll leave it here in my freezer as long as you want until you go oh, home." Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's worth somebody just googling to find a processor near your. Oh yeah, if you don't want to take and deal yeah. with it, I mean, uh, if you want the meat processed, there is so many processors available. You know, to to but I will say this: with the social media world that we live in now. If you find a processor, jump on to see if they got a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Look for a for a review on that, you know, processor. There's nothing worse than finding some crap hole place on the corner that just opened up, you know, that you don't know anything about and they're going to they're going to make you sick by not processing your meat right. I mean, you can get very very sick by mishandled meat. That's right. Um but great question, Tyler, and, and I'm going to say the three to five day mark, five being on the maximum, three days being the minimum for me. Um, a lot of times you can start seeing that meat turn white. Well, it'll t- and, and that, you know, you saying that, I heard a gentleman on, a, on another podcast talk about, I can't believe people drain their meat. They need to let it hang, okay? I am in 100% agreement. If you have the ability mm-hmm. to let a deer hang with the hide on it, and it's cold enough to do it, you ain't got to drain that That's meat. Right. It's going to drain itself. All the blood's going to drain completely out of it. It's going to fall out. But we don't have that luxury no. in the South. No. It's just not feasible unless it's December and cold, you know, and I'll let one hang overnight. And let me tell you something. I absolutely love skinning a deer after it's been hanging there for a day or two. In yeah. Iowa, when it's cold up there, we'll hang them in the garage. Buddy, they are they are perfect to skin they're so much easier and cleaner well yeah. most of the time by the time if you, especially if you kill one in the afternoons and the time you get back you hang it up you take your stuff off you get ready you gotta eat dinner you're you're whooped i ain't no eating dinner before <laughs> skinning one out in georgia if you don't get it skinned no. out before you go eat dinner you ain't gonna get it done no. if you can hang it that's the way to, i mean it's cold it's easier to deal with same with fish you put fish on ice they're a thousand times easier to clean that's right. in my opinion that's right yeah but you've you've finished up your you finished up your uh, draining. You've let the deer drain for a few days. You're you're ready to process it. So, okay. D, I want you to tell us, take us through what you do on uh, you. You've drained it for a few days. What's what's the ne- the first step you're going into in processing it? 
I'm going to start with the shoulders. More than likely, I'm going to start with the shoulders if it's going into grind. Because you hate them the most. Them. They're the worst to deal with. You give them to somebody that ain't never cut up meat before and tell them to get it all off. Yep, that's right. So, so I'm going to start with that, get them completely deboned, every bit of it, all the way to the front shank, like I said. It's full of that sinew, but it's fine for your grind. And if you're deboning a shoulder, what is if, – if I've never done it before, what are you telling me or how are you telling me to get that meat off of it? Well, that blade of that shoulder – there's a there's a center point in that, like you said, where he was going to cut down the middle. You can let you can run your knife down both sides of that, lay it flat, and cut it to the left, cut it to the right, and get that off. You can also just follow the natural the the bend in the shoulder, natural contour, the, front, the natural it, yeah. contour, and just let your knife go down through there and get all that off, and then cut that front shank meat off, shank meat off, because you're going to throw it in your grind. Or like you said, if you're going to throw it, if you're going to do a roast with them, you can cut them in half, or you can leave them whole. Yep. I've seen people leave them whole and smoke them or, or anything else, but I, I think a lot of times people, and I've watched them do it when they're cutting a shoulder up, they they force that knife. Don't If you're forcing that knife, you're cutting something you shouldn't be. And Let that not, knife it, yeah. naturally fall into it, and it'll go right around. And a good, sharp knife to me is way, way imperative when you're doing deboning. How many, how Less many, work. Yeah, how many knives do you, do you have with you when you're processing? Three or four, I do. I, mean, I would say three or four. I got a ten inch knife that I like to do for my for deboning my my uh, hams because it's the longer the blade, it makes it easier for me to do it the way I do it. And I uh, like those old, just carbon steel, easy to sharpen, get a quick edge. I mean, the old old hickory knives. Butcher, yep, the butcher knife. Just yep. a cheap. Ten, twelve dollar knife you buy at the flea market kitchen knife that I don't care what anybody says, you can go spend a thousand dollars on a set of knives to cut up deer meat with. If you can't get it sharp, it ain't doing you no good. And a hard steel like a ten ninety five or or a four forty C, one of these handmade knives, that ain't what I want for cutting up deer meat. I want a knife I can rip an edge on that I bought at Walmart, whether it's a fillet knife or and whatever like, i like something with a little bend in it yep that's a little flexible flex so you yep. can get around those shoulders and it makes it 10 times easier on you it, it'll my favorite are those old hickory knives just the the ones that you know we found i know you and i found a ton of them out at mama's yep. over the years that was just cheap steel carbon steel you rip them down those hand sharpeners you ain't got to spend a lot of time it gets it a quick fine edge on it hone it up on a block if you want to and then go to work so shoulders are shoulders are deboned. We've got them in a pile. Mm-hmm. Where are we going next? Go to your hams. I would say go to your hams because your your tenderloin. You're gonna. It, there's no bone in it. You know you're gonna do whatever you want to do with it. Go to your hams. Lay your ham with the socket up. Lay it down on the table. The back of the leg. The back. I guess it's the. Well, it wouldn't really be the front of the knee, but the back top point of the ham. You can start there and go all the way down and around that shank or that. Upper hip, you're kind of peeling it around it. You are, and then, and then start from your ball joint. Follow that bone down to that joint, to the knee or the back of the knee. Lay it open around that, and then you'll have that shank in your hand. Your ham will be laying there, folded open, so you can see every piece of your ham for your jerky, for your roast, for for whatever you want to do. And then you can cut that shank meat off of that leg, throw it in your grind pile. A lot of people think a ham is one big muscle and it's, it's actually four it's about four pieces yeah you get so that's what you're getting your that's if you want to make jerky yep. if you want to make um cube steak yep um 
What else? A if, roast? If you, want, if roast? you want to do a roast or if even if you want to do – we can get into the products and everything we use. You know, if you want bone-in steaks, you don't have to have a bandsaw to cut them. You can cut the meat around that ham and then cut that bone with a with a handsaw, saw, you know, or a hacksaw or whatever you got to cut I ain't it with. Doing that. No, no, no. I mean, but yeah, some yeah, people love yeah. a bone-in. They love a bone-in steak out of their hams. Yeah. And these big processor places, it's easy for them. They've got all the equipment Band there to saw. do it. Mm-hmm. So. so we've got that all up. They got the ham off, got the front shoulders well, let's, off. Let's stay right there with the ham for just a second because I want people to understand when you're cutting that ham off, don't dig your knife down into that ham. When you've got it laying with that socket up, go down the top from that socket to the knee, as Derek said, cut along the top of it, and then start peeling around the bone. Don't cut down into that ham because you're going to mess up your whole Follow piece of meat. Follow that bone around, basically. Follow just... it around and kind of fillet it off there, yep. and then you'll pick that bone up out of it, and you'll see you just take your knife at that knee joint and you go all the way around it, and you'll cut that one big chunk of meat off. And it's four pieces. I, I You can look at it as a... There's one beautiful round rump roast is what people might call it, or it, it looks like a rump roast, and it's actually the inner part there, and it is a beautiful piece of meat. You can make your jerky out of it. You can make whatever you want out of that piece of meat, and it is the most – it's as good as the tenderloin or you the back You can cube strap. it. If you want to slice it yep. and you want to cube it, you can cube it. Make your cube steak out of it. So it, it, once you got that off, if you're just going to grind it, what size chunk, chunks are you putting that in? One inch. One inch, one inch. It, it, well, I mean, it depends on what equipment you got, too. Yeah. I mean, if you've yeah. got a commercial grinder, obviously it can be bigger. But You're looking for a for a one-by-one one piece to feed through most grinders. Now, Dad's got a Hobart grinder. You can about feed a whole ham through it so and it'll you, grind <clears> it. But you want to you have it small enough it doesn't jam you, your grinder up. So too. you're going to mess with all that before you – you're going to start grinding before you even touch your tenderloins. no. No, not necessarily. You can after you get that deboned and you said, Okay, look, I've got I've got these two best pieces for my jerky. I'm gonna set them aside for my jerky. All right. The rest of this ham, I'm gonna leave two pieces out of this. The other two parts of it, I'm gonna slice it for cube. The rest of it I'm gonna chunk up for my grind. Get it all chunked up, make a big pile for it. Well then you can lay your tenderloins out there. And I if- don't I don't do my tender I mean I don't do any grinding until the last because you're going to have a piece of that tenderloin that you can't make a piece of cube or something else out of and you throw it in your grind pile. Exactly. That's what I wait. I wait till the end to do any grinding. Everything's cut. Everything's done except for grinding. Even with your jerky, you're going to get to that last piece, try to get another slice out of it, and it's going to go in the grind pile. Well, I, I, I don't cut my jerky at that time because right. I'm using a slicer, and you are too now. And before, I mean, though, but before we started, it was hand – everything oh, we yeah, done was, was hand slice. But a lot of, a lot of times you're going to have – waste out of your process and that you don't want to you don't want to just throw it away you want to yeah. throw it in your grind pile because but i'm gonna tell you if you grind gristle you're gonna have gristle in your burger yeah. you're gonna have you know you can't just you got to clean that meat up and we can go into so that what's the, what's the preferred okay let's just say you just got you got the first deer of the season how are you preparing that deer I'm jerking the whole thing <laughs> if, if I can gonna, if Let, let's make... just let's say processing wise okay because a lot of people love deer jerky too but but they're out of meat. If you're going to do it, you're going to grind it, and you're going to grind the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to make the mess, and it's going to be your time. Tenderloins you, and all. Well, I mean. That's, it, see, nah, now that, that's what nah, I was going to tell you. Tender, nah. Dad's, dad's grinder really, don't eat tenderloins. Well, see, see, if you that, grind them there, he'll whoop you out of the basement. See, that's <laughs> what I was going to tell you all early. Earlier, I usually just take all of mine. I tell, tell when I go to the processor, 
I want my tenderloins, interloins, everything ground because we eat so much of it. But well, yeah, and that's 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 perfectly fine if that's what you want to yeah. do. But my, um, we'll get into the recipe yeah. stuff yeah, later. But but, but but go ahead. First deer, you don't want no jerky. You need some meat. You're gonna, you, grind, you're gonna grind your shoulders and grind your hams probably. Okay, what are you doing with your tenderloins? Slicing them. You can. Like, you can. There's so many ways you can slice them. You can butterfly them. You can hit them with a mallet. You can run them through a cuber. You can leave them whole. They're great whole. Put them on the grill. I'm a cuber. I want mine cubed. I want to cut it into an inch and a half to two inch piece, that whole tenderloin. After I've and what we talked about earlier, you're removing that sinew from the back of it. That tenderloin is pretty cold. You you start down the back of it like you're filleting a fish, and it'll peel right off. You're I mean, going to you forcefully can, have to cut through that sinew on the back. Oh yeah. So if you'll let your knife lay right on top of it and turn it sideways, you can strip it right off there. It's yep. cold. It's Let me ask you a thousand this. Times easier. I've seen you do this before, D. Do you take those tenderloins if you know that you're going to make cubes or something thick out of it? Do you try to freeze it for a couple hours? That's with my jerky. Okay. Yeah, that's jerky. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's, that's jerky. jerky. So yeah. you do that. That's in the jerky business. Okay. Okay. Yeah, if you're if you're just slicing it up to make, you know, we were fortunate enough to be brought up with a crew of machinists. And they they made Cuban hammers out of CNC mills that are, and these ain't you average ordinary Cuban hammers. I mean they're they're like hitting it with a sledgehammer. That's, I mean it's, it's a maybe heavy. one or two taps with it. You don't yeah, want you to don't, hit you, it hard. Like yeah, you'll blow right through it. So y'all are not running it through a cuber. You're well, a cuber there's yourself. cubers that you can put on grinders. Uh-huh. And we were talking about this before that. I've used one. They ain't worth the trouble to clean, in my opinion. It's they awesome. are a nightmare to clean. I mean, because okay. you get all that meat and that sinew and, and tendons hung in all those gears and stuff. Okay. Man, give me a Cuban hammer and let me sit there and pound it out. Well, let me ask. I'm going to keep asking because I don't know. You you got all your meat there. You're about to start grinding it for your burger. You're going to make burger, not sausage. You're making burger. Bacon fat or beef fat? It's debatable. There, there's a thousand different ways to do Which this. Which one do you prefer? There is. And it, they say that if you, you know, you can taste the difference with that beef tallow. If you put that in there, you can taste the difference. A lot of people like it straight deer meat. When we were kids, dad or whoever was doing it, there was no other way but to do it with beef fat. That is true. When we was growing up, it was beef fat. Dad would go to Ingles and he would go. get beef fat. And that's what we, we, our job as kids was to sit there and cut, cut up fat. fat beef. Right. Yep, we okay, cut so up fat. When, you, when you're grinding, do you put your fat to the side and grind it separate? Or do you, uh-huh. put, a, or do you put a little pinch in there? One to ten. Yep. That's, that's one the to, easy. One to ten. One. one pound of beef fat to ten pounds of meat was always the ratio that we went on. Gotcha. And that was that I'm telling you up until we was probably in our late teenage early 20s was the way that I the way that we was taught to do it. So what right. are you doing now? Bacon? I'm going to let Derek answer his and then I, I'll go with mine. I do mine. just I do just straight meat on my grind. Okay. I mean, a lot of people love the bacon. They love bacon burger. Let me tell you something. If you've got the deer, say somebody gave it to you, you're going to put the time into it. If you're going to buy the bacon, you're going to buy $60 worth of bacon to put in that That's bacon right. burger, and you're not going to want to share it with nobody. <laughs> no. It is. It, it, I, mean, I, I love. I love. Pro tip. <laughs> I love deer meat if it has no beef fat in it. Once we learned, and this was something that came later on in our lives, if you make spaghetti with beef fat, Filled deer meat, it's going to taste like beef fat. You cook it in a pan, it's going to taste like beef fat. And you get that calorie taste, like you said. If you bring it and you want beef fat in it, 
that's fine. I'll do it for you, but you got to get the fat. Yeah, I'm not but going. I'm going straight, just straight. I'm deer just going meat. straight meat. Now I asked Brandon that we talked about this here a while back, but on the, um, like I said, we we talked about this. We know we we know by now we go to the Midwest. You kill a big fat deer up there. It's got a lot of fat on it. Have you ever tried any deer fat? Not the same fat. Nope. That stuff is like you beef fat. You think about a, a, a cow. How much does a cow walk around in a pasture? Very little. Mm-hmm. They're moving around steady, and and it builds a layer of scrumptious, buttery fat. A deer's fat is built for warmth. Gotcha. So it is tough, tallery. It's like eating, like I said earlier, candle wax. Here's the cow, one. The cow's fat is on them all year. Yeah, they, cow's fat's there regardless. It, 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 the deer, how, about bear, how about that bear fat? Well, I ain't using bear for nothing as far as I'm concerned. You can throw that stuff down through the woods. Uh, me, and, me and Brandon was talking about that because, you know, they people love that bear grease. They do. And, um, yeah, I, that I, bear bear to me, we, we, we ain't talking yeah, about know, processing know, bears because I could take yeah. you a whole – we could take a whole episode with that. But so just dry, just dry, nothing in it. Nothing in it. I want I want my meat because because if I want a burger out of deer meat, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I'll be the first to say I'm not a huge fan of deer meat cooked as a burger. I'm just not a I'm not a big deer burger fan because I like the fatty kind of. But if I'm going to make a hamburger out of meat myself, and Derek can give you his tip on it, I'm either going to a put some breadcrumbs in it for a binder, or I'm going to add in uh, an egg or two, you know, into my meat as I'm mixing it, and that's how I'm going to make my burgers because you got to have some kind of binder. Deer meat's so lean; if you do it and cook it to a full consistency of done, it's going to be. It's gonna be in the bottom of your grill because it's gonna fall. Completely I love apart. deer burger, and that's all. That's about all we eat is deer burger. I mean, not not just deer burger itself, but I won't hardly buy a pound of ground chuck or whatever and make a deer deer patty or a, not a deer a patty, hamburger. A hamburger, yeah. yeah. And I've taken. We go into the bacon aspect of it. You can go to Ingles or one of these stores, and you can get bacon ends and pieces. That's the the end, and you can find a deal on it every once in a while. Yeah. Trimmings, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can find a deal on it. The problem with with bacon is it's expensive. I mean, it's expensive to do. But I've also tried to incorporate pork into mine. I mix pork with it. The only problem with pork is you have to cook that burger to such a well done consistency to actually be safe to eat. Mm-hmm. So you're you're cooking it completely done. And deer meat's a very lean, dry meat. And that's why I don't like it as a burger. I want my burger juicy, you know, but, man, making spaghetti, <laughs> sloppy joes, things like tacos. that out of it. it tacos. So, I mean, that's that's my favorite way to eat ground meat. So it, we, we've, you've got that ground down, and you're putting it in one pound or two pound, five pound? We usually go – I go two pounds. I go two pounds. Two pound pounds. If that's a, that's my, a family. Right. family like, that's a good meal, two pounds. Pound yeah. of meat's really not – it's really taking up more room than right. it's worth And your quart ziplock. Is that Two what you're pounds. putting in a Ziploc or yep. uh, freezer? Well, we dress? I've actually started. We've started putting it in those those packs, like because Dad bought an attachment for his grinder yeah. that will fill up those little tubes, and it and it's just easier. You you grind it and you pack it back through there with the ground, and it works. It works good. Okay, you grind a whole. Let's say an average Georgia deer, good size, good size nanny doe. How much you weigh? How many? Uh, what's a good size nanny doe? Eighty pounds. Say a hundred field, yeah. say say a hundred pound. That's a big. Well, probably yeah. eighty field. Yeah, probably dress. eighty. Yeah, eighty pounds. You grind the whole thing, tenderloins and all. How many two pound packs are you getting? 
on average. I would, average. You're I would say at 28, 32 pounds, I would say. Processed so, meat. Processed meat. Yeah. Yeah. You're, on average. You're, you're, you're you take deer. a deer, if it's 150 pound live weight, you take 35% off of that right off the rip for the guts, the blood, everything, the hide, 35%. At least. You may go a little bit more, maybe a little, never less. It's always at least 35%. Then you take out your bone, your, your t- connective tissue, all that. That's what blows my mind. A guy will say, man, I killed a big old doe. She weighed 80 pounds, and I took it to the processor, and I only got 35 pounds of meat back. Well, all right, I can tell you, if you want good quality meat from a deer, you ain't going to get but about – you're going to get less than half of that weight of that meat. You're going. You're looking at 15, maybe 16 quart bags, two pounds in there. If you most. grind everything. If you grind it all, at yeah. most. Gotcha. Realistically. Okay. So you've ground the you've done the front uh, front shoulders, you've done the back hams, and you're gonna slice your tenderloins or butterfly them. You're gonna do one of them slice, one of them butterfly, and you're gonna put those in separate packages. Usually eight, ten pieces. What we and do then in you're a gonna pack take your, for the tenderloin cubed. You're gonna, mm-hmm. you're gonna take your inner loin, sweet loin, whatever you wanna call it. And you're going to put them separate, right? Leave them whole, however you want to do them. Leave them yeah. whole or you can cube them. Or throw them in the ground or, pile. <laughs> or throw them in the ground pile. Whatever okay. you want to do, keep them separate. Yeah. Okay. Let's, I think it's, we can probably get into cooking now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean. What are you doing with those? If you just freeze those sweet loins or put them up, what are you, what are you preparing with those? Lord, there's, I mean, there's a thousand ways you can do them. I like to put mine on the grill. Yep. That's what that's I thought. What you so like to grill? cook them yeah. to a, a, Medium rare at most. So that's your deer flaming yawn. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Butter. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I tell you what's good. Take them, put them in a cast iron skillet, and I'm talking about 500 degrees solid butter, flash fried on all four sides as you roll it around. Well, let me ask you real quick. <laughs> I know we're about to get in a deep rabbit hole here. <laughs> yeah. Have we covered everything from skinning it to getting it? I, I nope. We forgot one. Process and sausage. Well, we ain't even, well, well we, 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 that's that, like we a recipe. That's kind of a, I mean, it okay. is kind of a recipe, but you, but, but. but you still got to process it a little different what you put in it, right? Mm. You're not just going to make it raw deer meat, are you? No, I add pork fat to mine. You have to, right? For my breakfast sausage. You, yep. you over my head on this one because I don't like, I don't yeah. like deer yeah. sausage. I'm, I, I, don't, well, I, I like deer sausage, but I don't make deer sausage. I've, so I've never you're going to have to ask Derek yeah. on that one. I do. I take my, it, and it's about like one to 10 on your ratio. Uh, but it's also a let's make a little bit, let's season a little bit, let's run it through the grinder, let's try it, let's cook it right there and try it to see if we have our seasoning right on yeah. our meat. If we need to add a little more sage, if we need to add a little more of this or a little more of that, that's what that's what I do. Let me ask you this. When you process that sausage, are you tasting – I guess you can't taste it because it's raw, but are you letting it set – and I've heard this from somebody – do you let it set before you freeze it to let the ingredients get into the meat overnight or for a day in the refrigerator? I do. You do? Yep. I How take long? and I take and do it overnight. You do? I do what we do one day, I take and I'll grind all my meat, I'll separate and you know, most of the time I run it through twice if I'm adding my pork fat. So I'll grind it, I'll cut out what I want, five pounds of meat for my breakfast sausage. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take my pork fat, cut it up. And then I'll change the blade on the mi- on the grinder to a mixing blade, and I'll run everything through to mix it, and then I'll hand mix it, and then I'll add my seasoning to it. Then I'll take a little bit out, patty it up, see how much grease it makes in the pan, fry it up, taste it. If it's good, great. Stick it in the refrigerator, leave it overnight till the next evening, come back in, 
and then we'll take and divide it up in probably pound packages because it's breakfast sausage. You know, you're not going to make a ton of it, and you can get a lot of patties out of a pound of deer sausage. It's almost like, and probably everybody can attest to this, if you make spaghetti and put it in the refrigerator, to me it's always better the next day. Ingredients get in there, in my opinion. It is. And, and, and there's it, a lot of other stuff. So, And I think you've got to do sausage that way, but a lot of people take their sausage, and I think that's why I've never took a taste of sausage, deer sausage. It's because you take it to the processor, and they just take it back there to their freezer. They, they don't have time for it to wait. So right. you never get that ingredient. You've got that ingredient on top, but not soaked into the meat. And that's part of doing it yourself. But it does take a lot of time. And there's plenty of products out there. There's LEM and then your Cabela's brand. You don't have to have a commercial grinder to do it. You can mm. buy the bottom line Cabela's grinder. You can just buy be the bottom careful line feeding LEM. that joker. If you're, if you're buying those lower-end grinders you ain't gonna be able to feed it like you can it's gonna take time Mm -hmm. it's gonna take time and that's the one thing that if i do it for a buddy or i do it for myself you're putting a lot of time into it so if you're gonna charge somebody to process their deer you're You're gonna gonna have to charge them i mean you're you're gonna lose money unless you're charging them because you can't get it you can't get your time out of it to do it for somebody so if i do anything for anybody i do it on the half if you want jerky I'll do it on the half. And we were going to jump into recipes and everything. We didn't talk about our jerky about, you know, we do. I do cut my pieces up. I lay them on a bread pan. I set them in the freezer. Yeah, that's me. Four hours, four and, and a half. Well, let's, let's rewind on that for okay. just a second. Because when we were growing up, it was all hand cut. You know, you would you would take the ham and they'd take it out and they'd debone it and they'd hand cut it. And few years ago we got into and i think you came to the house that first time with that slicer and seen it was just you'd freeze it on the bread pan like you said and the reason we freeze it on that bread pan is is why because it goes through that slicer a thousand times better but it creates a flat edge for you to work off it does that's your starting edge and you can freeze it solid on a bread pan and then drop that bread pan on the concrete, break it off of it, put it in a bag. You don't have to make that jerky right now. Heck, you can make jerky a year later off those pieces because mm-hmm. it's jerky. I mean, you're not looking for a juicy meat or anything else. It can get a little right. freezer burn on it in the freezer. It ain't going to hurt nothing. Right. Well, here's here's probably a big question for people making jerky. How thick do you, What's a good thickness on that slicer? Hold on. Let me tell you this first. If you're going to make jerky or you're taking it to somebody to make jerky, to make it or slice it? To make it. Yeah. Do not bring me one inch by one inch chunks of ham you've cut all to hell and, and that, expect and, me to be able to make jerky And out I of think it. people don't know the correct thickness. Don't. If you want me to make jerky, take it off the leg exactly like I and Derek told you to do as one solid piece and bring me that whole chunk and, and let you'll me slice cut. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I told somebody one time. Uh, I, I told a guy. I said, "I want, I want some jerky. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind, to slice some of those." I was actually going to use my tenderloins. They, they were like breakfast steaks. <laughs> I mean, they were they were half inch thick. Yeah, you know? I would think on on and I, your slicer, you've got one just like me. And let's go into that equipment side of it. You were talking about grinders. You can go to Walmart and buy you an eighty dollars slicer. Really? It is oh yeah, I, I've got one that I've got. Dad bought me, and I'll tell you a secret about it. Dad bought it for me at Walmart or Amazon or something, hundred bucks maybe. It's a little eight inch slicer. I'm gonna argue that. I bet it was Harbor Freight. Yeah, it could have been Dad <laughs> buying it. Yeah, if they're selling, if they're selling it, Dad probably bought it there. But 
if you if you go and buy a slicer, the key thing, like Derek said, is is freeze that meat, but don't freeze it solid. Right. You know, you it, or if you freeze it solid, you need to let it thaw for a few hours and get not soft, but the outside will be soft on it, and it'll man, it'll peel right through that joker. I don't care how cheap that slicer is, it'll near near and. I set mine on five on the dial. It'll be about, I don't know what the thickness Thicknesses, is, yeah. but on that dial, it'll be about a five, five, maybe a six. Maybe a six, because it all depends on also if you want to, if you want it thicker, obviously you're going to, if you want it chewier, you're going to cook it less time. If you want to have it done quicker, you cook it thinner. You, you've got to do a less time, you know, or and we'll get into, we'll it. get into that. That's, that's very important when we go into like the recipe of it. Something I've learned with jerky is the cook times and what you put into it for what you want it to do. But, um, those still cheap slicers don't let people fool you. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather clean that cheap slicer. Derek's used that big commercial one that Dad's got. I'd throw that thing in the in the river before really? I clean it. It is the most aggravating thing to Those clean. Those little cheap ones is three pieces. Pop the blade off, and then the handle comes off, and you can rinse it off. And you can put it in the sink. Yeah, I mean, put the whole thing in the sink. But here's a little pro tip for you: if you uh, if it keeps blowing fuses on you, just take that fuse out and stick you a piece of aluminum foil in there. Because mine kept popping fused it would get hot i mean you run through you run through two or three hams that joker's hot and yeah. it kept popping fuses i took the fuse out and put me a piece of aluminum foil <laughs> if i burn it up i'm out 80 bucks and i've had it i've literally had that one for if you burn the kitchen down give alex a board a call no i'm not telling you to do, i'm not telling you to burn your kitchen down i'm just telling you if it if it keeps popping fuses that's what i did so but it it really it really made a difference to me when I started using those slicers and how the consistency of the jerky got for me. So, all right. So, big topic recipes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big topic. What What's your favorite go to with ground meat? Go ahead, D. I, I, off the top of my head, I you know I do like a burger out of deer meat. Yeah, that's one of my that's one of my favorite things to make out of it. And you know, and I and I like them on the grill. I'd rather have them on the mm-hmm. grill instead of frying the pan. Me but too. you know, Alex got a lot more on the recipe side than I do. We've got our own jerky stuff. You can do, you can do your jerky however you want to with whatever you like. It does not matter. And don't when you think you've got enough salt on it, add more. It that is the one thing that I have learned with jerky. You deer meat, it just soaks so much. Of that soy sauce, uh, season s'mores, whatever you right. just throw it to it, and we we always growing up, Uncle Wibbern cooked it in the oven, and I, I didn't like that jerky myself. I, I mean, we ate it growing up, and it was good. How did he cook it in the oven? It just laid on the rack. Set I, it to set it to the lowest setting, about two ten on your one hundred eighty. Uh, one hundred eighty. Like, your... Most ovens won't go below two hundred. He had old gas or, or electric that would go to one. So he wouldn't hang it. No, on, he'd lay it across the rack. Okay. So yeah. I've seen it made a hell of a mess in the oven too. Put you some aluminum foil in the bottom. I hope but, this was outside. And you cracked. The... Oh no, this was in the house. Yeah. This they, is in the basement. Yeah. Oh no, I mean it was up there in Ain't John's at the in the house. Yeah. And then you'd take a wooden spoon and crack that door. Yep, leave the door because cracked you would because want, you want that air circulating through yep. there. It wouldn't lock all the heat in there. So jerky's probably your go-to thing to, to make with deer meat. It is, but I dabbled in the summer sausage this last smoking it go around in a smoker. We bought a smoker, 
And and I like it. I mean, but it's good. Again, Derek, Derek's got a good recipe for here's that. Here's your time. You've got a lot of time, and we can we can write let's, these let's recipes stay, down and put them in. Right, and let's know. but let's stay on jerky for a second. All right, so if I'm making jerky, I've I've sliced it all, and, and I'm going through and I'm slicing every bit of it. I've got it all sliced up, and I put it in the pan. What is what is the one ingredient that's first for you that you've got to have on got to have in that pan? Garlic powder. Okay, I agree with garlic powder. All right, my I'm gonna go with my first one: soy sauce. Okay. All right. Paprika. Paprika. All right, I'll go with that. All right. Um, I'm going to go with – I like Moore's. Moore's is my go-to. I know you like Dale's. Dale's, right. Dale's, Dale's to me, is a little saltier with the soy sauce. So, I, if, if, I'm go, if I've got to use Dale's, I'm going to use a low-sodium soy sauce. Okay. And I don't really know why. That's just, you know, that's my way of doing it. Right. Um, what? Onion powder. Onion powder. All right. Um, red pepper flakes. Crushed red pepper. Crushed red pepper. So we've got to have those in there. And but you you gotta think this is coming from being cousins, growing up together. Mm-hmm. This is the way we were we were showed how to do it. And that's the way we were. That's what y'all fell in love it. with. That's what Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. what we ate. All right, I got a uh, honey. I like to put honey on mine. I don't put honey in mine. Yeah. That's something that came yeah. later on, I think, with me. Uh do you put brown sugar in yours? I do. Okay, so brown sugar, we agree on that. All right, I've got all my ingredients put in there. And, and, and what I want you to know is, is jerky is so universal. You can put whatever you want right. in there. I add Franks to mine. I'll put a dab. I'll, I add some dabs of Franks or Tabasco. And, and another thing, you can get the packet if you want to get the Well, packet. I was going to go to that next, but. Um, I like Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I'll put some of that Worcestershire. Shire, shire. How do you say it? Worcestershire. How do you say it, Nick? Worcestershire. 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 I say Worcestershire. And I've got it wrote down. I mean, I've got, you know, um, one and a half of crushed red pepper. If you don't want it, you know what I mean? I mean, it, a little bit goes a long way. Per how many pounds of meat? For two. This is for two pounds of meat. Okay. And what? How much jerky do you get out of two pounds of meat? Pound. You'll wise? get one. You might get a gallon bag and a and a quarter of a quarter out of bag. two pounds of meat. Out of two pounds of meat, you might get a quart sack. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. And that's something that people used to bring me hams and want to do it on the halves, and they'd get three quart bags, and I'd get three quart. But I was like, where's the rest of it? Well, it's where's on, the re- right. Where's the rest of it? This stuff is dried meat. That's if, what you got to understand. If you want to make a lot, you're going to do five pounds of meat. I'll, You'll get two gallon bags if you do five pounds of meat, depending on how it's sliced and how long the pieces are. Oh, I think it's more than know. that. I think it's probably closer to. I think if I slice, I would think you would be almost at a, a 12 to one, like 12 pounds of meat sliced. If you do two hams, you're not getting a pound of jerky. You're getting two gallon bags probably. Right. But it ain't it ain't close. It might be right at a pound, but you know maybe twenty ounces at most. And as I'm sitting here looking at this recipe, this is for two pounds of meat. This is for a totally different way. This is for grind. Okay, jerky is and and that's the thing. Jerky is going to dry up so much out of those hams. You're what not. Do you, getting, what do you, I'm sorry. What do you mean grind? This is for the jerky shooter for the okay. Stick. Oh, we ain't got right. No, no, you're right. You're right on that. That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was looking at. This okay. is we for were two talking, pounds of meat. Well, tell, we were talking it. about for slots. Wait, wait, okay. wait. We ain't finished on. We okay. ain't finished on. Yeah. So we've got all our ingredients, and you can make your own stuff up as you go. You know, you can put whatever you want into that pan. You've got everything in there. You marinate it overnight. What are you doing the next day when you come in? 
dumping, taking and I dehydrate mine. I don't do it in the. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm talking about with it marinated. You've let it marinate one day, and you come home from work. What are you doing at that point? Are you flipping that meat? Take and roll it over. You roll it over. So the top meat that didn't set down in all the juice. You okay. mix it up again. So you let it set again. You can let it go two days. I'll I'll to. let mine go at least two days because that salt and that flavor really embeds into that meat if you let it go two and days. And when you take everything out of the bowl, there's nothing left in the bottom of the bowl. Mm-mm. It's all in the meat. It'll be very little very little juice, juice. left in there because right. it's all soaked into that meat. I ain't cooked I ain't fixed any jerky in about <clears throat> two years, but Dave Payne told me he used uh, Dr. Pepper and Coke. Not combined. Yeah, you but can to soak use, it in, and man, I love that Dr. Yeah, you Pepper. Can, it, all you're getting in that is the the acidity. I, I and just the, I the could sugar. taste it and the sweetness. The I sugar. could it's taste no that. different than adding the brown sugar. I could taste the Dr. Pepper, and I, I'm a Dr. Pepper fan, so I, I you like. You haven't it. made no jerky, but you've ate some jerky. I made some. <laughs> <laughs> I made plenty of jerky. He's eating a lot of jerky. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you that, and like we said, there's so many different. But you can go, and and I've actually started doing this. You can go to Walmart and you can buy those little two, three dollar packs that make five pound worth. Mm-hmm. And one thing I learned out of this is that little salt packet in there because we hardly ever put much pink salt in there. That was our the curing salt. The is curing what you're salt. To. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. If you don't put that curing salt in there and you don't dehydrate it long enough. You're gonna have moldy jerky in a month. Every bit of it will mold. And everybody will take it off. You'll take it off. You'll put it in a bag. Close it up. Two days, mold in the bag. Your whole gallon bag is ruined because you didn't dehydrate. I ain't never seen you didn't dehydrate. You ain't never seen it last two days. I ain't never seen it last two days. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I, I I like to I like to make sure that if I want it for an extended period of time, a month or whatever, you need to put that curing salt in there. And it don't take a lot. I mean, yeah. a lot of that stuff can make you sick. So it can. But now that's it. something that's come along. How many friends? How many friends you gain around deer season day when you're making jerky? Plenty. Oh yeah, they come and they come. And and I'll tell you, when I used to do it on the halves. It was people calling all the time wanting you to do it, and I and I've quit doing it. It I gets to a point no where you don't. It takes up so much time that yeah. you just don't want it. You just want to do it, make it for yourself. Now I get if somebody's new into it and they need help and they want to see and learn how to do it, that's fine. You got one. Yeah, yeah you know, and the first time they come over and bitch about how much they got back, that's the last time I do it for them. Exactly. Because they weren't there doing all the work for it. I'm telling you, you're not talking about a one evening process. You're talking about if you cut it up on a Sunday evening, you're Friday getting that jerky done and you've mm-hmm. worked on it every single day of the week you've, you've got to the do racks it. you've took them off you've let it get to room temperature let it get cool before you put it into your ziploc bags because so that's don't what get people moisture do. So in don't the heat in there yep there's a lot of these tips and stuff that we've learned because this is what we grew up doing i mean we didn't we didn't go to school for it we didn't watch youtube videos about it we absolutely learned it by trial and error and, and all that stuff so so what you got on uh what'd you say what'd you call it the ground up, the shooter slim jerky gym. on the it's shooter. It's basically yeah. slim it is, gym, the yeah. sticks. Yeah, and a lot of people they love the sticks. Well, I was going to ask this. Well, I'll it. let you tell this right. recipe, but <laughs> I like slice. And, and, and this is probably a good tip for people that have maybe a couple of pounds left over of deer meat going into the new season. Am yeah. I wrong? No, no you're, you you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do a, a fourth cup of onion powder, fourth cup of garlic powder. Half a cup of Worcestershire, one cup of Dale's. If you want to substitute any of this, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. You're not going to change nothing. And then I add, uh, for two pounds, I add a teaspoon of that the pink salt for the curing salt. Um, 
And then two, I don't add no seasoned salt. You can add seasoned salt. If you're adding the Dells, you got a lot of salt in there anyway. Uh, fourth cup of brown sugar. I changed that to a half a cup on two pounds. It's a little too sweet for my taste, but if you want it sweet, fourth a cup. And then uh, two tablespoons of crushed red pepper for two pounds. A lot of the a lot of people that want it done that way, they want it for kids done that way. Kids don't like to chew on the slice, right? You know, so yeah. And you put that in a gun, and it basically just squeezes it out in like a little. It's a jerky cannon. If I if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna season it, mix it up, put it in the refrigerator, okay. let it sit. If I want to let it sit two days in the refrigerator, yeah. that's fine. Remix everything up, take it out, put it in the jerky cannon. The best one I found is the LEM. That's my yep, favorite one. Yep, yeah, there's there's not as much mess. Don't buy the little cheap junk one. Spend your money. I think no. they're forty nine bucks, and no. it's well worth it if you like the sticks and you like the ground jerky. Is that less time cooking that than it is regular deer jerky? That's <clears throat> about the same dehydrating time. Yeah, it's about the same. Okay, I mean, and the dehydrators that that we use are not your big commercialized dehydrators. They're ones that you buy on Amazon or at Walmart or whatever. They're about eighty, ninety bucks. I mean, I want a bigger one, but I just ain't been able to pull the trigger on buying a a twenty rack or whatever. And we most of ours are ten, twelve racks. Would I think you say twelve rack? Yeah, the blue, the blue with the white. Yeah, yep. and they're they're not that expensive. Um, do it in the do it in the garage or in the in the uh, shop if you've got one. You don't want to do it in the house because your whole house is gonna smell like jerky if you don't. I mean, and we'll put it on the racks. You lay it out, and usually I've got two, maybe three cookings worth every time I slice it up. Because I try to do 10, 12 pounds, make it worth my time. Wanna, it makes a hell right. of a mess. Make it worth your time. That's well, you the biggest thing. Yeah, and use newspaper. Put your newspaper in front of your dehydrator. Pull it out. Lay them on there because it's going to drip. Push it back in. Pull your next tray out. Start at the bottom and go all the way to the top. I put a little piece of foil in the bottom of mine because it's going to drain into oh, yeah. the bottom. Let's it makes clean a up mess for the next there. time. Yep. Right. So. so are you making that same recipe for your smokes? Um yeah, tell us about your tell the us summer about sausage. The summer sausage. sausage. Yeah. The summer sausage. I'm going straight packet from from Walmart, and that's because I when I started it, I didn't know what went into it. Did a little research. It comes with the sleeves. It comes with everything. I do five pounds of meat, which usually yields somewhere between. This five is all and ground, eight. right? This is all ground. Okay. Um, you you mix it with a, you can mix it with beer. You can mix it with water. You combine everything, mix it with a fourth cup of water, half a cup of water, whatever it is. Pour it on your meat, five pounds of meat. Mix it, let it sit two days. You know, if you want to, or a day, whatever you want. And you can put cheese, jalapeno in there. We did how we did jalapeno. We did fresh jalapeno, no seeds, just the just the pepper itself for the flavor, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the heat. If you want to buy the cheese, you can buy. You can't just put cheddar block cheese in it you have to buy a freeze-dried cheese specifically designed for a high temperature for your smoker mm-hmm. to put it in there so we take and do that we take i've got the stuffer that attaches to the end of the grinder run our meat through it it comes out stuffs it fills it full takes time up you can leave them in the refrigerator then you can leave them in there for two days if you want to to let them to let them sit in that and then we put it in the smoker we do it about 165 for about eight to nine hours for an internal temp of, I can't be sure. It says on the packet. It does. It does. It says on the packet of the for the internal temp. And then you can add, as, that smoker, we got electric pellet-fed smoker. You can add as much smoke as you want to, or you can add as little as you want to. 
So when you're smoking that, do you start off with a lot of smoke when that meat's kind of still tender? You can. And then, if, and then it, dial it down? If you want it to go into the meat, you can. You can put the heavy smoke to it. Yeah. Um, you know, we made two batches and hope to make more this year. I mean, mm-hmm. because I love it. It's it's great for to sauce it up. Oh, and it's delicious. Cheese, it's very good. I love it. Now, I'm going to tell you something else you can do with that. If you do not have a smoker, you can make that same packet that Derek's talking about, and you can roll it into logs yourself and wrap it in aluminum foil. and cook. Or Excuse me, don't put it in aluminum foil yet. Put it in the oven. You can cook it in the oven to the same internal temperature. That's what Dad does. And then he'll wrap it in aluminum foil once it's cooked and freeze it that way. Okay. So you can make it just like that. And it's it's good. You just don't get that smoke flavor. If you want to add a liquid mm-hmm. smoke to it to get a smoke flavor to it. And I'm not a liquid smoke fan. Me I don't neither. like it. I think it tastes real. It's really strong. So if you're using liquid smoke on your jerky, make sure you're using a very, very minute amount. Because yep. it, it gets very strong very fast. Drops, it's so concentration. Drops of it if mm-hmm. you're going to put it in your jerky. And I like to take and, and eat that. I, I, we freeze it. I put it in the freezer. Don't leave it out. You know, the, a lot of these places, because we're not air pack, packaging it, we're just, you know, we have the sleeve, slot it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the freezer, and it's thawed within, I'd say within two hours. You, you, can, put it in it. Fri- you can put it in the refrigerator and thaw it and eat it. But now I do, when, since we made we made two runs, so we had probably 10 or, 10 or 12 logs. We cut them into thirds, and I do vacuum seal them and throw them in the freezer. That's about the only thing I vacuum seal when I'm processed. If I'm going to vacuum seal anything, some people love vacuum seal. If you eat it, you're don't, wasting don't your money. waste your money. If on you're vacuum eating it within it. a year, you're you're wasting your money on vacuum seal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I tell you what, I do like to vacuum seal. Going back to talking about a uh, cube tenderloin or, or backstrap, I like to vacuum seal those because I'm not eating it as fast as I am my my uh, ground. Right. You know, because it's almost. I'll be honest with you. I don't just cook my tenderloin or my back strap for just any occasion i like it with steak as a side dish to steak and this is meat candy to me and Derek can agree with this growing up it was the best thing in the world to eat it's still my favorite part of the deer to eat i'm taking that back strap that we've cubed and we call it the tenderloin and it's cubed and it's little thin strips and i'm marinating it in garlic powder and soy sauce. Those are my two things that I want to marinate it in. And I'm going to marinate it all day, maybe overnight, after I've taken it out of the freezer, let it thaw. I'm marinating it in that, and then I'm cooking it on a hot grill, and I'm butter, putting butter on it as it's cooking. Throw it on there, put butter on it. Flip it over, put a little butter on it, and it's fast. It's, it's, it's fast. Done. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. fast. You, don't, you ain't cooking it long. Uh-uh. You, want, you want it a medium rare, maybe a medium Take it off, put it in a pan, you're done. And that is the I don't I'll argue that with anybody. I've never eaten deer meat any better. That and another one for me is taking the back strap, slicing it in them one inch thick pieces, battering and frying it for breakfast. Yeah. I love I, well, I, I like, I like my, the cube. I like the you cube. You can cube it, yeah. You can cube it or slice it and either way, but one of that's one of my favorite ways for it's for breakfast. I mean, but I do love it on the grill. Those thin ones mm. on the grill. It's, it's and even meat if you candy. The, it is meat candy. Even if you cube them out of the ham and you want some bigger pieces for like a for a supper, same way. Yep. We've about covered everything. No, we still got plenty to go. Well, I, I do have a question about cleanup, and well, I've heard this well, from several people. Okay. How tough is it to clean that grinder up? 
The grinder's not that bad. The grinder no. because it's uh, and Derek's Every, is the everything same. comes apart. Yeah, I mean, Derek's is the same okay. principle. All grinders are the same. You've got a main tube with a feed to the top. You've got a, a main tube coming out that you're you've with got your auger on it. You've got your auger that goes inside of it, and then you've got a your your size of the grind. You've got a basically a, a little plate that goes in there, and it may be a bigger plate, and you've got a knife that goes in behind that. Don't make sure you don't put your knife in backwards when you're putting it together. It'll just make a hell of a mess. And there's, and and there's different sizes. You know, I run mine through a course. Mm-hmm. Some people love to leave their burger course, and that's fine if you want to leave it like that. But if I'm doing breakfast sausage, I'm going to add, I'm going to change it out to a little bit finer mix. Yeah. And then I'm going to run it through that again to mix it. There's different blades. And, and same for the summer sausage. There's a big, wide kidney bean hole one mm-hmm. that we run through for that. So gotcha. We'll generally run ours through a coarse grind to begin with, and then when we're packaging, we'll go to a bigger hole like the kidney bean size so it comes out easier. And what what always blows my mind is when you when you take that thing apart, you need to make sure that you get all that meat out of those threads in that um it was it, it, it's it's got to get because if you leave any in there you're gonna know it in a week or two yeah you will I mean, it's and the, be the, the hardest thing to clean is like you said like if you got a cuber attachment they're a pain in the butt and then the the blade the mixing blades those are the hardest they've got all the little holes in them so well here's another sure here's another tip for you if you're washing it in a sink get you a screen to go in that sink because all those fine fibers and everything will go down. You've got a sink drain that's got a cross in it. You will be sitting there for an hour picking out those little pieces that'll hang on it because all that sinew Mm -hmm. and fiber and everything that drains down, put you a little screen in there. And if you don't, you'll know it. In a day or two. Uh, yeah, because it's gonna stink <laughs> the high awful. heavens. I've heard, I've smelled that basement down there when when I've done it when I was younger. Before Dad thrashed my my tail for leaving it in there, you'll be picking it off with a knife and getting it out. Mm-hmm. So, the cleanup part of it for me is is so much easier with the 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 cheap Walmart or, or Amazon slicer or the the grinder. Dad's got that big Hobart, and it they're all grinders are the same principle. You put that Cuban attachment on it, I ain't cleaning it because that joker gets stuff stuck all in it. I mean, that's one thing it sticks up. But going back to, to cutting up hams, you know, you get those four chunks out of it, and if you get that one big main chunk that you want to cut some, some cube out of, cut it. If I'm cutting up a roast, a lot of people will leave a roast whole. I don't like to do that. I like to cut my roast into little one-by-one chunks. chunks right. Yeah, because it, it to me, it cooks better it's it's and everything you're gonna put everything in there with your vegetables and everything you're gonna set it to cook and everything's gonna be done the same time so let's go into letting you know we'll go into a roast now what do you put in your roast i i put a lot of vegetables in my roast like what that's the main thing i put uh the whole carrots not the baby carrots i like the whole big carrots put them in there slice them up potatoes mushrooms onion onion Smoked sausage? Uh, not necessarily. No. Or cocktail weenies? I love those. Sometimes in there. you can put a cocktail weenies in there. That's not a big deal. And then add whatever else you want. Bell you peppers. Can add, you can add the bell peppers in there. You can throw some pepperoncinis in there. Mm-hmm. Make it like a Mississippi mud roast or whatever. So you throw the right, pe- pepperoncinis. Right. I, what I always do is I take my meat and put it on, or excuse me, my potatoes on the bottom, and then I'll go with. I like baby carrots. I like to put the baby carrots in. I'll take sliced onion. I'll cut it up, you know, into chunks. I'll, I'll quarter it put it in there, scatter it around, and then I'll take a, a green bell pepper. I, I like bell peppers in mine. 
and then I'll take cocktail weenies. And then my mushroom, my meat goes in, in, in the middle of that, usually on top of my potatoes is where I like to put it. And then I'll put a, uh, a layer of mushrooms on there. I love mushrooms. Sliced, I don't like them whole. I like mine sliced. Um, what kind of seasoning do you use in there? It de- it depends. I mean, you can do a... What do you like? I'm not asking what depends. What do you like to put in there as far as like a seasoning? If you're putting a seasoning packet, I use a pot roast. Just a pot roast or a... Uh, a pot roast packet or a, or you can do a pot roast packet and you can do a, one of them brown gravy packets if you like well, that. Well, I li- I, what I'll do is put a pot roast packet and then I'll put a brown gravy packet in on top of all of this. Mm-hmm. I'll take a big chunk of butter and put in there. And then I take a cup of water and I pour over all of that and let that kind of seep through it. And one thing you don't want to do is put too much water in there. Don't add a cup of water max into a roast because those vegetables sweat and they all They're leave juice. Yeah, yep. and you're gonna have a you're gonna have a soup if you put too much water in there. That's my biggest thing. You're gonna have a big soup pot. And I want my roast to be thick and hearty. You know, I want it to have, and it's cooking down. consistency to it, right? Yeah, and you'll think, oh, this is a full pot. It's going to cook down, and I never stir mine. What is our favorite way to cook a roast, though? In the ground. In the ground. All right, let's talk about that. They're no no better. That's the best, easiest thing to do at a deer camp. They're not. That man right there can put one in the ground and cook it just as good. Yeah, and those are my favorite. I think if you do a... uh, Exactly like we said in an aluminum pan, you dig a, a three foot by two foot uh, by three foot deep hole. You get your charcoal started in the bottom. You got your two bricks in there, and you set that pan down on a little grate, and you cover it with a piece. Who of Who always had to dig the hole between y'all? We always had a hole dug at camp. Okay. It was always dug. We always. had an out past the out past camp at, at Big Ten. It was always dug there in a sandy spot. It was it was there. Yeah. I mean, the only time that I ever there's two times that I've went somewhere and had to dig a hole. It was in, uh, I want to say it was Harris County with Cody Davis. I went down there, and his daddy, to this day, he says, cook me a gourmet. When you coming back to cook? Because I told him, I said, it's going to be gourmet when I was fixing it. And I like to put big smoke sauces, not just cocktail weenies. You put chicken in it. If you want to put chicken in there, whatever you want in that roast. It's so universal. But you put it in there six hours in a good hot bed of coals, Lord have mercy, son, you eating. Well, I've done I've done several of them. You have the last yeah. one we had was the one that you cooked down at Reds. I yep. think the last time I had one. That's the that last time the I've done one. Tell us about it. I done two big ones down because there because it was amazing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I just I think I split both of them up. One of them I just put deer meat, carrots, uh, potatoes. Um, one of them I put jalapenos in, left the seeds in, and make it spicy. Put all the meat in there, and I think I just poured salt and pepper on it. Some of them I put dill. Some of them I put um, Italian dressing. Just put the top on it and set it down there. And you wrap it in aluminum foil in an aluminum wrap, pan? I, yeah, I wrap it, put it in the aluminum pan, put the aluminum foil on top. I put the – try to find some metal, tin, whatever, sheet metal, whatever you got. Put over that hole. Road sign. Yeah, road sign. And uh, just leave you a little – We're couple. not condoning stealing road <laughs> signs to put over you. Leave meat. you a couple <laughs> of air gaps there and, and uh, make sure your coals are good and started. And I usually – I think like four hours. It's been a while since I've done one, but you can walk we away. We always done ours about six. Yeah. Eight, put it's it on one at one, one eat it at you can walk away from yeah. and you can go do whatever you want to do. You can do. go hunting you that evening. Go evening yeah. hunt and then come it's, back. It's a, it's a redneck crock pot. Absolutely, it's and it's and it's the to me that's my favorite. You can never duplicate them. 
You can cook them in a crock pot yeah. at home. It ain't as it good. It ain't going to taste the same. Nope, right. it will not. And but I don't know what it is about it, boy, but you better have your Terry Wipes. Oh, <laughs> it run right through you. <laughs> yeah. I never noticed that. I, I always loved them that way, but um, that was that was that that's my second favorite way. But I'll tell you, boys. And hang on, hang on. Let me right, ask right, the go question. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, let me ask the question because we'll go around the table. Favorite go-to meal with deer meat? Sound like you was going there. No, I mean my favorite meal was the the cube. I mean that's my okay, favorite one. Okay. We've already I've already said mine. Okay, okay. But what was you going? What what's your favorite meal, Derek? Anything, like anything, anything. Jerky, summer sausage. No, I'm gonna go. I like a whole tenderloin on the grill. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ways. Medium rare, slice it. Let, you know, take it off, let it rest, slice it. That's the key thing: it. letting it rest, let those juices disperse back into it before you yeah. cut it. Yeah. Yep. That's one of my favorite. I mean, I love if I'm gonna cook a tenderloin, that's the way I want to cook it. I don't want to put it in the crock pot. I want to put it on the grill if I'm gonna do it whole. But like I said, I do love the slicing it for breakfast, and I love the cube. I love cubing it and slicing it. We Flip probably eat more of that. Yeah, I mean, we eat more of that growing up than anything. I would pick that over a steak. I mean, I really would. When it's it's just meat candy. I mean, in that grill, it is meat candy. Yeah. Um, we were talking about earlier you know, ground meat, what you, Derek would use it for his, uh, for his grant or for his ground jerky out of the cannon. If he had leftover ground meat, I figured out about, I don't know, four years ago, burritos, deer burritos. And to me, there has never been a better way to use ground meat than in a burrito. And the way I do it, and I'm going to run through this. If you're ready for that, do you yeah, go, go on. through that? Go so on. I'll take my ground meat and I'll brown it. And I usually like to do it six, eight, ten pounds at a time. You know, I try to, what are you giggling about? <laughs> oh. I'll tell you later. Go on. <laughs> well, I like to take those burritos, and, and I'll, I'll get the burrito seasoning packets from the store. I'll, and usually they're a pound, two pound, whatever, and I'll season it. And what is so funny? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Go ahead. <laughs> so we'll go through, and I'll, I'll cook all my meat. And then yep. I put it in a pot, and I'll add refried beans. I'll add, I like just buying the cheap pace gallon jug of salsa, putting it in there, and I'll add jalapenos or whatever seasoning I would want in a burrito. The beans is a big thing for me. You can use black beans. I don't like black beans. I just like refried beans. Put it in a big pot, and don't get your pot so full because it'll burn on the bottom. You need to have it where you can stir it and stir all that up and just cook it all together. And I like to let mine simmer for several hours. Now, what I didn't learn in the beginning was – I tried to take it off the stove, let it cool for 30, 45 minutes, and then try to wrap it in my burritos. Do not do that. Have you a Saturday you can cook your meat, take it off the stove, set it to the side, let it cool. That night, put it in the refrigerator, let it get cool because all that stuff kind of congeals together. And it'll go in, and I'll make sure I want to write this down. I'll yeah. put it on, on Facebook and everything else. If you hear it, shoot me a message. I'll send you the recipe. Let it congeal. Then I'll get my burrito wraps. I'll have that cool pot the next morning. I'll get up, and I take a quarter cup, maybe a half cup per burrito, and I'll dip me, it out. Stop it. What size burritos are you doing? Are you doing the largest? I like, or I the... like the, just the regular large tortillas, okay. and, and I like flour. I want flour for, for a burrito, and, and I'll take that. And you can make them smaller. You know, a lot of times I'll make some small ones for the kids. They want to have them or whatever, but 
I'll take them all, and I'll you make a hell of a mess with this. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. So you better be ready for either a, a butt chewing from the old lady, or you're just gonna have to clean your mess up when you're done. Usually it's butt chewing for me because I don't clean up all the mess. But I'm sitting at the table. I dip it. I throw one quarter or even a half cup, just depends on you. You'll know how much it. You can gauge it, put it down, and then I've got. I like a a, a Mexican cheese mix like a blend of asiago a cheddar a, a queso cheese whatever and i'll grab a handful of that and i'll put it on there then i wrap my burrito now the key thing for me is instead of wrapping those in aluminum foil that you buy and have to tear off buy those aluminum hot dog sheets that come off in pieces like you get at the ball game you yep. got a hot dog in yep. buy those lay you one down lay your burrito on it put your meat put your cheese wrap it up as best you can I ain't no burrito wrapper, but I fold the ends in, roll it up, then I roll it in there. I put them in an aluminum pan or on a baking sheet like we talked about earlier, and I fill every one I've got up. Once I'm done, I take and I set that entire tray in the freezer. I freeze them, the whole thing inside of that aluminum. Once they're done freezing solid, two, three days, I'll take and put them in a bag. And I've got them a bag, I've got a bag of burritos inside of that freezer that mm-hmm. I can have at any time. I'll take that burrito out. And if I want a quick meal, I'll unwrap it out of the aluminum foil, put it on a plate two minutes in the microwave. Be careful because you'll blow it all over the microwave if you're not careful and you cook it too long. But two minutes is a good gauge. Take it out, and I'm ready to eat. Now, what I'll do sometimes, if I've got a little bit extra time, I'll put them in the oven. It's about 50, 55 minutes it takes to heat up inside of that aluminum foil. The last five, ten minutes, I'll take it out, lay it inside of there, and let it crisp up that tortilla cheese sauce on top of it you've got a perfect meal and i'm talking about a quick meal if you want a quick snack i've come in from deer hunting or or working outside want a lunch break grab me a burrito throw it in the microwave out of the aluminum foil don't put aluminum foil in your microwave you'll burn it up put it in there on a plate and i'm ready to eat that's my favorite thing in the world to use ground meat for that i've got left over or in general, I and, like to make them in general, and that come later on too. We never made no. Nothing I like bought that, some you know? of them for a dollar and a quarter a piece at a butcher shop. I had a guy make them, and when he made them, I thought, "Wow, Larry. this is good." No, this the corner butcher Busher, shop corner butcher down at Bridge Mill. Yeah, Larry, he had, yeah. is that his name? Yeah, okay. yeah, he had made them, and and I thought, man, I can do these dollar and a quarter a piece. I ain't paying that. I can do. Them so myself. let me ask you this about that sauce and the ingredients you put in there, and I know it's frozen, um, but it's okay to mix all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it don't go bad over. No, no, not in the freezer. I've never, I've never had them last long enough. I mean, you do ten pounds of meat, you're getting eighty, ninety burritos. Yeah. I mean, so you plan for that. And I've got a full list of the ingredients that I use for it. Mm-hmm. I like them. I don't put jalapenos in them because the kids like to eat them. You know. But you can you can do whatever you want in them. You can customize whatever them so you many want. Ways the biggest thing endless. is cook your meat all the way through. Cook your cook your ground meat all the way through. Brown it and use whatever seasoning packet. You pack can do it. fajita seasoning on that. Meat yeah, whatever you want. You want. Or taco, yeah. you know the taco seasoning. Like I love tacos. I love hamburger. I love chili. I love spaghetti. Wait, we, we know. We see <laughs> meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> I love meatloaf. Um, there's just so much that you can do with deer meat. That's my biggest. If there's anything that I've learned how to fix in the last, I'm going to say in the last five years, and it's hard to talk Uncle Wyvern into doing anything to change his mind on something at his age and his uh, tenacity. He, he loves, likes them. Oh, my God. He he makes those burritos, and he'll eat. You make them big, you're going to eat one and a half or uh, one and you know, a quarter. You eat two of them, by God, you've got a meal. I mean, and you can put whatever you want over the top of them. Sour cream. Salsa. Salsa, cheese. I like to pour 
like melted cheese over the top of mine. So that's my biggest, biggest, the burritos are my favorite. And if anybody wants that recipe, make sure you send me a message and I'll, I'll get it. I'm going to post it. I'll post a full link to the recipe. And the thing about it is when you do, when you're doing it and you're processing it, you know, from start to finish your, your product. Yeah. You don't know when you take it to a processor, you don't know. And I'm going to, I'm just going to throw this out there. You don't even know if it's your deer and some of the Midwest processors that the people have gone out there and hunted you're not getting back your deer they're weighing your deer you're getting whatever product you want back from a hodgepodge of meat and you go to a processor you've got a multitude of of options that you can get sausage snack sticks uh smoked sausage uh summer sausage jerky there's there's a thousand different options but when you get a seven eight hundred dollar bill because you picked all this stuff from them don't bitch because you literally gave them more work you're putting more work everything you pick is more work for them you want ground you want cube okay you just got a hundred dollar deer back you want snack sticks summer sausage all this stuff you just added to their time frame so don't complain and if you take it to a processor and you only get back a third of what you think you did, well, maybe you ought to go buy your grinder and do it yourself. Right. That's just, I, I mean, you're gonna if you're going to do one deer at the processor, buy a grinder. It pays if for you, itself. If you've got the time and you want to know what you're getting back. Mm-hmm. I, and I promise you, you, you can call me or Derek at any time if you, or send a message. You send a message to Derek Jardine on Facebook. You can send a message to talk about it outdoors. If you want to know how to do it, I'm going to tell you, Everything that I've learned. Is it the only way to do it? No. It's the way that we've done it. I'm 35. You're 36. We've grew up doing it this way our entire life. We grew up on a farm area that we didn't know anything about a processor. This is the way we were taught to do it. You may know a different way and a technique. I'm probably not going to change the way that I do it because it's the way I like to do things. And the way that we've done it the whole time, it's efficient for us. And for me, for my time, for doing it, especially if I'm doing it for somebody or showing them how to do it, I'm fine with that. If you want to learn how to do it, I'm 100% fine with showing you how to do it or showing you the way that I do it. I just don't have time to show you anymore. The time time is what gets you on doing this meet. I don't care to do it for you or any of our other buddies, but the time, and I don't ask for no money on it, but the time is what you're not getting back, and it's a process. If you kill one on Friday night, you're going to let it go on meat two days. Guess what? You're going to call me on Monday. Yeah. Well, then, and Who the wants evening. to mess with meat on a Monday? Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. You're going to do it. Right. And for for the love of God, don't don't take the back legs off that deer in the tenderloin. If you want, if you don't, if you're, if you listen to this and you, and you want to throw those front shoulders in the ditch, call us. We'll come get them. We'll take them off. I just, I, I, it, it drives me crazy because we're, we're, I know so many people and I have went and helped skin deer for people that they will pull the the back hams off of and they won't and they won't even de they won't even take the whole ham. They'll take off the big chunks that they can get off of and they'll take the back straps. They just threw away one of the most gracious renewable resources that we have and we're blessed to have. You threw that in the ditch and they're like, well the coyotes got to eat too. Well let them catch their own. You did the work to kill mm-hmm. this you need to be respectful enough to get every single piece that you can off yeah. that deer. And you can ask my wife. We eat every everything we eat as far as that is deer meat. We don't buy no ground beef. We make chili, spaghetti, things like that, but I, I'll go right back to it. I like a I like a beef burger. That's yeah. just what I like to eat. I mean, and, and 
but we we have a freezer full of deer meat every year and we eat a lot of deer meat chili oh that's my favorite that's my and favorite. i don't want to i don't want somebody listening to this episode and think man they just they're on here just trying to tell me what to do and, and i don't not, care not, what you do but i don't I'm care what you, you do but <laughs> we know it's a lot of work take it easy on your processor if you're using him take it easy on the guy that's doing it for you and and Take these ideas and make come come up with different stuff and tell us what you've done and and we may steal your idea just like you may steal Alex's ideas on the burritos just just take just use your meat wisely don't just let it ruin you can make all kind of stuff with it. There's endless it's not nothing that didn't get stole. Alex found out from that guy and he started yeah. making them yeah. his own. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah, not stealing. Yeah, you can share an idea yeah. and because he never gave me the recipe, I just I'll be honest with you, I took two pound of meat. I sat in the kitchen one Saturday when it was raining or doing something else. I took two pounds. I bought the ingredients. I put it together. I tried it. It tasted like I was eating shoe leather. I had to adapt <laughs> and, and make, you know, my yeah. own idea about it. The first time I did it, I used corn tortillas, and I put it in Jessica's microwave, and it blew up all over it could be, and it was Ooh. so tough I couldn't, couldn't eat it. I mean, yeah. I had to learn those things, and I'm willing to tell anybody anything that I know about it because I know the work that it goes into, and, we were so blessed growing up to be able to grow up in a family that processed everything. I want people to realize that it's, it's not been taken for granted by us. Now we've got our own family members that don't care anything about it. They'll take it to a processor and they're losing a piece of that. You know, I, I, I'll cut up a ham and I'll take, and I know you do it with your girls. I'll show Sadie and Sawyer. I'm showing them how I'm processing that meat and, where it comes from. They're there helping. Yeah, you're yeah. teaching them, you know. And a, that's a good a, family a, bond for y'all. Oh, absolutely. It's like y'all had when y'all were younger. But I, I don't want people to think that they have to do it on their own if, because they have those resources available for They don't. And the resource that, that anybody listen to this, if they're local and they want me to show them and they want me to help them, I'm fine with that as long as I don't have nothing to do. Yeah. I mean, I've got I've, we've put the money into it and have got the equipment to do it and have bought this and bought that and bought this. And then you buy a little bit this year, buy a little bit next year. Don't go kill a deer and think that you, you don't have anybody to help you. There's people out there that are willing to show you how to do it. But if they take their time to show you how to do something, don't show up and think they're going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not doing nothing for no. I used to tell people, they'd say, well, can you help me cut up this deer? I absolutely can help you cut up this deer and bring whatever you want you want to bring your knife that your grandpa used that you mm-hmm. did it's been handed down and you've toted it hunting with that's fine bring it and you can use it but i'm going to show you how i i do it and and the way that i do it that way you'll know that hey look all right i get it skin your deer with that knife that's fine but when it comes to processing and and again it comes down to time yeah you want to be efficient with your time and get it done because you've still got the cleanup afterwards and you wipe a, down the spray down. There, I guarantee you there'll be more. We could start a processor, and we could show people how to do it, and we could fund our own processor. Because when they see how much time it takes to do what we're talking about doing right now, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to mess with it. 90% of people aren't going to want to mess with it because they just don't feel like it's a, it's a viable option for them. You out of deer meat? Close. Right. I, I, I put up, no no kidding, I, I like to have about nine deer and you're not uh, killing nine deer. And though. I'm not killing nine deer, though. No, I'm I brought him. I think I brought, I think I brought him five last year. Cody, bring them. I mean, you know. You're almost out. Oh, oh, yeah. And oh, you're, yeah. You're ready for more. Down to the last pack of summer sausage. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Come to the house. I got some you have. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean yeah, I'll load you up. I got plenty. As season comes upon, I mean, it's, you know, and the processing probably changes from, you know, we talked about going back to coolers. It probably changes from 
Now it's going to be really hot. You want to get that deer processed probably quicker and not leave it on ice as long and, and or not out in the heat during September here. So I set mine um, in the garage. I usually set it inside something on the top of it. No, I mean, there's... So the dogs don't get it. I mean, the, I, no, dogs ain't going to open the cooler. I mean, generally. I mean, when we was growing up, we had old stray mongers running around. <laughs> they ain't going to tell them what they got into. They ain't going to tell them what we ate growing up. But, I mean, it's 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 a renewable resource. And if you're going to do the diligence to hunt a deer, if you ever want me to take you hunting and you say, well, I don't want this deer and I've took you hunting for the first time, guess what? That's going to be the last time I'm ever taking you hunting. Mm-hmm. You're going to... Follow through every single process. You're going to be there the next day helping me change ice. You're going to be there the two days later skinning if, if and cleaning you're that deer. The trigger, yeah, you need to. That's that's the, respect for your that you don't just go kill something. Right. You know, a coyote, crow, whatever that stuff. The, the the predator side of it. All right, fine. But we grew up when you killed it, you ate it. You ate it. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's something people don't respect anymore. And this whole mindset will people go out and kill deer and they just you know they. Just throw them in the ditch. Let me tell you something. If I ever see somebody throwing a deer in a ditch, I will do everything in my power to make sure you never get to deer hunt again. It's disrespectful, and dis- and this is comes down to the end of this disposal of the carcass. Be respectful of that hide. Take it where it's not on the side of the road. If you're transporting a deer from your hunting property to your house, put it in the back of the truck. Don't, uh, you know, I know you want to show off that big buck. Don't hang it off your luggage rack when you've got a truck bed. You don't tell me what to do, Alex. If it's a big one, I'm hanging it up That's fine, but it's, you know, it's it's disrespectful. (laughs) I mean, there's people out there that don't understand, and it gives hunters a very bad name when they drive down a back road going to their house. They've moved from the city out here. They may not understand all the hunting side of it. And if they drive by and they see a deer thrown in a a pull-off or something, it's disrespectful as hell. Mm -hmm. And it's they don't understand it, and they judge immediately. We're we are our own worst enemy when it comes to hunting. Yeah, we are our worst enemy. The, the antis get fuel from that, and it may you'll take somebody that's on the fence about hunting and turn them completely against it. They may think that hunting's okay, but they don't want to do it, and they see a carcass laying on the side of the road that you shot that deer, and you only cut the back straps and the hams out of it, and you threw it out in a in a pull off. That fuels the fuel or fuels the fire for them to be against hunting, and we just don't need that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree. That's that's one of the worst things. You're driving by, or say you pull into your hunting club. It makes me mad, and, and I'm, I'm a hunter. One, yeah, and somebody's thrown one at your gate, and it ain't nobody on your hunting club. Yeah, it is disrespectful. Take and dispose of that carcass properly. If you don't have somewhere to dispose of it. You need to find somebody that has a piece of property you can get it off the beaten path because their dog's going to drag it up in the yard. And there's dogs that don't they don't ingest that kind of stuff. They've they've had health issues and they're going to naturally go to a dog state. <laughs> I burped, sorry. <laughs> and it was it, they'll drag it up in the yard and it just I don't know. I, I've always thought that that was so disrespectful to to do. And you know it's just. It's just something I don't condone. I'm not going to condone it. I was young and ignorant once. I probably threw a deer in somewhere I shouldn't have. Yeah. And I, but I've learned over the years. Don't be the don't be the dumb kid that I was. But and even where if we, my daddy had got had caught me, I would have been beat within an inch of my life. But even where we hunt at on our property, mm-hmm. we still put them there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't. It, it's not affecting nothing. No, because the buzzards are coming in. I've literally gutted a deer where it fell. Come back in in the morning. Come back and hunt that same spot in the evening, and the gut pile gone. Yeah, right. 
I mean, it's you know, it's just disrespectful to do those do those throwing out or everything else. But I'll get off my soapbox, Nick. Don't want me get fired up on it. Well, I'd be curious once uh, once this episode drops and people listen to it, and you know, give us your ideas. You're uh, you know, somebody's gonna make a post on it. One of us is gonna make a post on our Instagram about it, and when the episode drops, and give us your what do you what do you do with your deer meat, and um, how do you skin your deer? What do you do different? You know, what do you take off different? And and um. What's your favorite recipe? So. You've got a recipe that we yeah. didn't mention. I, I, and there's, like we said, there's a thousand different ones right. out there that That's you right. can do. And if you've got an idea about it, share it with everyone. We'd love to hear it. I mean, it's a, it's, it's one of those things. It's a, a bountiful and, and plentiful ways to do it. And if you want to know further into how we do something, feel free to reach out to any of you us. You know, maybe we, <clears throat> maybe we can, in the future, if we get some downtime, you know, maybe we can make some videos and, Show people how. Oh, we gonna shoot a burrito video. We do, got to we everybody. There's been people and, called three or four times. And I'd like to do that. a processing one. I you know, a deboning one too. Yeah. That's a yeah. big one. Yeah, that we I'd like to do a processing one, we and, and we can do some skinning ones. And you know, I know there's a thousand skinning ones out there on YouTube, but we can do it our way and show you. And, and you might pick up a tip, or we might pick a tip, uh, pick up a tip from you. I can promise you that, that when it comes to processing from end to end, it may not be the only way. But it's the way that we do it, and it's been very, very uh, – there's been hundreds of deer that have fell under the knives of, of Derek and I, and we've we've learned some techniques we can show you because it's the way we were – it's the way we were raised. Yeah. So I think it's been a good episode for a lot of people that don't know or did know. and Never expected try some, it to be they this wanna, long. Well, but. they, they want to try something different, you know. Everybody just ground beef, tenderloin, cube steak, put it in the freezer, go. They ain't never thought about the burrito, you know, because they may maybe they got three or four kids, and that's a quick snack for them. So. Yeah, and it'll feed them. Yeah, so good episode. Dave, what else you got? Any, I, I'm, any last? I'm done. Any any ending tips for us? <laughs> he's no, ready, he's ready for hamburger. <laughs> no, I uh, I say we do the recipes, and like you said, put them out there. Yeah, you know, if people want to, they want to try doing it on their own, or if they want me to show them how to do it, you know, the first time, and then. You know, they can come back and help they can next come time. Back and help well, I'll tell you what was good or... the other day, real quick. I took a bunch of that. I had some, I got some deer meat, which it had bacon in it. And I just, because I didn't use sausage, I substituted that because I um, had a bunch of jalapenos in the garden. And I just browned it, mixed it with my cream cheese, put it in there, wrapped it in bacon, put it in the oven. Sounds good. Can't beat that. No. I mean, that's a quick meal. No, just remember deer meat is very lean. It requires some form of binder if you're making a burger out of it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any kind of fat mixed in it, make sure you're adding a binder in. An egg's a great binder. It has zero flavor to it. It adds no kind of off texture or anything else. Breadcrumbs are also a good one. You can add breadcrumbs in, and that'll bind it up. And uh, if you're making jerky, salt it and then salt it again because it, it's going to take a lot of salt when it dehydrates. So. Well, I appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. It's been a fun episode. If you've got any questions or comments on anything that we've discussed tonight, make sure you reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook. You can hit us up on Messenger on either one of those, or you can reach out to us via phone call. We're always open to anybody's comments. So, got Derek, thanks so much for coming and being with us tonight. It was a pleasure. It's I always knew, a pleasure. I knew when Nick said that uh, we doing this one, uh, the first person that came to mind was you because you've done it just like I have for a lot of years. We've had a lot of fun with it, and it's. I think it's a pastime that people don't do anymore. So right. we've enjoyed it. And uh, if you got any questions or comments, make sure you call us and uh, get in touch with us. We'll be glad to help you with anything you can. So for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for being with us. Pull up a chair and set a while and list, let your buddies listen to this. Pass it along to them. Maybe it'll give them a tip. So remember, smile as you go and don't forget, mount the memories.